You're listening to a Rock Candy podcast. No matter where you are, no matter if we're long, they follow our path. Oh, may all your voicemails succeed. May you make all the friends you need. May you find passion. Coming to you from Magnified Studios, Magnified Pod presents Pods from the Penalty Box, a nostalgic sampling of skate punk albums from the 90s Christian alternative scene. Join us in the pit. I'm Andrew. I'm John. This is our podcast, and that's our food lion. And uh, during the intro, both of my uh, guitars almost fell over. Oh, man. <laughs> so I'm just going to lean these back <laughs> over here. Nice work. So to not have my, uh, have my Telecaster crash and burn while we're recording. Hey, you know, speaking of your, your axe. Yeah. Uh, that, that was the first time I heard our new <laughs> theme song for the series. And I, I must say, well done. Thank you. Uh, uh, yeah, I wanted to... Um, you know, for those people maybe joining for the Craig's Brothers section of the pod, uh, welcome. Welcome to MagPod. Uh, I've been doing sort of parodies of different songs for the bands that we've been covering this season. And I was like, oh, I wonder what Craig's Brother song I could do. And I'm just like, God, they're all so fast and <laughs> technical. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I don't know if I have like the the time or the patience to like get all the drums and everything. <laughs> so it's right. like, plus uh follow your heart off the 29 2019 uh Devils in the Details EP is a banger of a song. And I felt like it transitioned uh it was a nice easy transition from follow your heart to follow our pod. Yes. And so I was, it was a, it was a surprise, but a delightful one. You know, <laughs> I thought maybe uh, I'd get some uh, pod coming or um, podly girl. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this was home, great. home potting. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah. We might have to get those, share those lyrics with folks. because I feel like there's a lot packed in there. That's true. Uh, that is true. That so everybody can appreciate it. Will do. Um. Anyway, it's a new day. We are we are entering the Craig's brother. <laughs> wow. Cinematic Fra- universe. phrasing. We're not. <laughs> we're we're entering Craig's brother with consent. Okay, John. Yeah. All right. This is you know everybody's everybody's <laughs> agreeing to everything that's happening in this. <laughs> Enthusi- the enthusiastic. Right. Consent. Um. 
but yeah, we're 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 very excited to move into this band. It's an all all September Craig's bro uh, on the pod here. Of course, yes. next month when things get spooky, Magnafrite pod coming soon. Yes, uh, but uh, Craig's brother a band. Folks have been excited for us to cover all year. It's one that we've been talking about since the very beginning. Uh, yes, we'll get into this later, but not a band I know well at all, and uh, pretty excited to dive in. I am very excited to dive into this record. It's one of those albums that I have had since it since it dropped, essentially since '98. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but let's not let's not jump the gun. That's right. We will get there. Yeah. But first things first. Um, it has it's been a week and it's it's been it's been a week of a bunch of shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, your boy. Your boy needs a win. Um, I. Just. uh got turned down for a job that was I was like in sort of like fourth round yeah interviewing uh and that's always just such a like you're like well if I'm making it this far you know like what are they you know what are the chances that they're gonna be like nah nah you know so it just is like and then like on the same day I got that news, something else happened at my current job where I'm like sort of reminding myself why I'm like wanted to leave to begin with. Yeah. And so then I was just like, what a cool day. This oh, is man. a cool, <laughs> cool day. So that's, uh, you know, I'm got to just keep moving on. And in the oh. meantime, there's beer, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. Exactly. What you, uh, what you got quote, over there? Quote Homer Simpson. I'm not. I'm not advocating for alcohol alcoholism. <laughs> right. Just uh, a, an old joke. Um, you know, I got some local seven five five by ooh. Blackstack. All right. All right. So, I'm. I I was. You know, I've been in the market for checking out some weird beers. Mm-hmm. because you have been convincing me and turning me on to different weird beers and like allowing myself to expand my palate from just beyond the my basic dude bro IPA palate. Sure. But sometimes when you're in a mood for an IPA and only an IPA will do. Yeah. So we've talked about that. Like, I mean, IPA, there's a point at which was absolutely my jam double ipa is the happier the better and i think it was just like years of overdoing it and it's not like i don't like them anymore it's just kind of like i think i blew out my ipa palette or something Mm. um so maybe i'll get back there one day but speaking of weird beers oh my god i need to i need to stop opening craft beers by my microphone (laughs) because they they fill them to the top and i just the good thing i have um my pop filter here on the screen on my, right. over my microphone so it's important uh i got a blueberry boyfriend Ooh. um this is a prairie artisan ales beer i think they're in um McAllister, oklahoma so shout out to our to our okies um but this is a sour ale with blueberries and lemon zest so mm. sounds like uh 
It would taste like a like a blueberry pie or blueberry cobbler or something. Yeah, it's not as it's not sweet. It's not super blueberry-ish. It's like a okay. yeah, maybe a slightly sweeter sort of regular sour. So okay. but I'm into it. Into Here for that. It. Yeah. And I'm also um drinking just a little pour of some journeyman yeah. whiskey. Just an old bottle that I just keep slowly sipping on, not Amen. going. So not going do. too hard. He drinks a, a beer drink. He <laughs> drinks a whiskey drink. Yes. John drinks a weird beer. Uh, <laughs> he drinks a watermelon <laughs> water. Yeah. We are. the other thing I have. Oh, nice. Well, one of these days we will get back to yeah. our, water, our water wars. That is something that we have committed to. Definitely. But... <laughs> I got to get my act together and purchase it's... some more weird waters it's it's fine there's there is one water in my fridge that i'm curious about yeah uh but that is for for another episode yes um but john we we have uh been kind of stacking up yeah the emails the voicemails lately uh we've been getting them uh everybody we've just haven't I feel like we haven't had the episodes appropriate to do them since right. our last a couple interview episodes, a couple interview row. episodes. We wanted to focus on those. And so we haven't been covering the stuff that people have been sending us. We do appreciate it. We're not ignoring you. Um, and, you know, so we just wanted to let everybody know. Plus, we're overdue for a long episode. I'm right. assuming this one's going to go kind of long. <laughs> yeah, settle in, everybody. <laughs> we have no prestigious guests uh, this week. So, no, no. So, why don't we, why don't we start with some, uh, some voicemails that we've gotten from, uh, from our magnified pod at gmail.com hmm. Gmail. Uh, we've got a variety. Danny, of Danny stairs <laughs> voicemails and there's one specifically that I uh I wanted I want to get to because this has to do with uh when we were talking about the final Goaty Hook record mm-hmm. and uh the EP rather with uh with Ghost in the Graveyard and you had never heard of Ghost in the Graveyard What's up, guys? Your boy Danny Stairs again. Um, calling in uh, with respect to the question about Ghosts in the Graveyard. Um, we did not play that when I was a kid. Um, if we had been caught playing something called Ghosts in the Graveyard, we would have probably gotten in trouble. Um, because my parents were really cool back then. But my younger siblings definitely played it. Um, since I never actually played it, or if I did play it, it was like, you know, once or twice with them. I really don't remember a lot about the game, um, but I do remember them uh, enjoying it with their friends, because uh, by then my parents were a little cooler uh, and didn't, uh, you know, didn't think that playing Ghost in the Graveyard was like satanic worship or whatever it was <laughs> when I was a kid. So, um, I'm trying to think if uh, anything else about Ghost in the Graveyard. I feel like I had cousins who were allowed to play it, and they were my cousins who were like super cool. Um, or, well, I don't know if they were cool, but uh, their parents were super lenient 
um, and whatnot. And, like, but they knew we were in a lot of places. They never brought it up around us, but, like, it would be mentioned. Um, but, again, I, I don't have a lot of experience, but it was, you know, I'm a born and raised here in Ohio, Midwest boy. Um, and uh, I would say that uh, we, uh, we, it was certainly a thing that was around, uh, but just wasn't allowed to do myself. Truly, motherfuckers. Yeah. Um, I mean, I understand that, like, some places around the country would probably be, you know, something having to do with ghosts and spooky things and graveyards would assume that it's some sort of something to do, to do with the occult. Right. They but want it you was to just... play a, like, spirit in the sanctuary or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Lord Lord on Golgotha or something like that. I don't know. I mean, that actually kind of sounds... Sounds like a fucked up game. It sounds pretty metal, though, actually. <laughs> Um, you guys well, want to the, play Lord on <laughs> Well, the whole point of Ghost in the Graveyard, it was just a glorified tag. Right. There was a home base. You had one person who was it. Other people were hiding, and they had to like get back to home base without being caught by the ghost. And so once you got back to home base, you were safe. So I, I think it's settled. I think we're doing a Magpod meetup where we play Ghost in the Graveyard. Oh, dude, that'd be so awesome. <laughs> so it's great. Oh, I'd be so Maybe into that. Like a little buzz. <laughs> Um, unequivocally, there's no way, there's no way we're playing a children's game from our, from our youth, completely stone cold sober. Yeah. Sounds great. So we'll be sending out the Evite for that <laughs> shortly. Oh man. I, I'm, I'm into it. Uh, we got another Danny stairs talking about our joy boys. Hey, what's up my dude? It's your boy Danny stairs. Um, it's responding to John's joy boys about sad documentaries. Um, uh, Super interested in the subject of uh, Pray Away. Um, oh, right. Obviously, it's a, it's a, it's a thing that uh, if any, anybody who knows me, follows me on social media, knows that, you know, the relationship between the church uh, and the LGBTQ plus community is a thing that um, just it breaks my heart and, and that I, I, I just get, I get really upset about. Um, I tried to watch it Friday night, uh, but I'm kind of in a similar place to Andrew in a lot of ways, um, and it just, I got, you know, a few minutes into it, and I was just like, I, I, I can't do this. Like, you know, I was just, I, I just couldn't handle it. Um, hopefully, I, I did let it play. I left the room and let it play so that they would get the, the credit on Netflix for it having played. I didn't know if you need to watch all the way through. Um, I just went to the other room and watched something else on a different TV. Um, but, um, Hopefully I can go back to it at some point and watch it because I think it's, you know, the subject and I, I want to hear perspectives on it and see the great things that they, they were able to do and, and find some hope um, because I, I think that there's got to be a message somewhere in there about hope for people um, who have been fucked by the church. But um, in any event, um, you know, just, just wanted to call in and throw my support behind that. Uh, and agree with Andrew. If you're in a place where you can, definitely you should watch it. Uh, and if not, you know, just you know, keep it on the back burner like Andrew and I. Someday, when the world's a little brighter, maybe if that happens, um, you know, we'll watch it and we can we can have a resurgence at that point. So, hey, I'm Magpop for life. Yeah, that makes that makes total sense that you're. You may not be in a 
in a mindset to watch something like Prayer Away um, at any given moment. But to his point, yeah, it is worth checking out, I think, uh, if folks are interested and feel up for it and don't need one more thing <laughs> to sort of weigh them down on a given day. But yeah, if you're not following Danny Stairs, aka Daniel Starrett on right. social media, you Get should. Get, right. get, get your shit together. He uh, will he will like your posts. I mean, I feel Dan- affirmed every day by his Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Danny Stairs is uh if you want if you want somebody to to like your posts and he's just just like one of the most supportive dudes there is. It's true. And by the time this episode drops, I'll be have uh been hanging out with him all weekend. Ooh. Danny Stairs come to town. You guys might need to record a little Patreon bonus episode together or something Ooh, like that. Might have to might have to do that little little Danny Stairs and Mickey action. Oh yeah. Little, Sounds little, great. Little pod bonus. Put put me on that pod bonus. Throw me on in a on speakerphone. Hell yeah, bro. Um do you wanna you wanna shout out our boy dude our, our, our <laughs> sh- dude boy? Our dude boy, our bro dude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Paul Hodgert. <laughs> Paul Hodgert. Um, so before we get that, you uh I think this is a vine. This is from a number of years ago. Uh it's like at some football stadium, some football coach standing in like the stands looking at the camera, and there's like football guys like playing in the background, like this empty stadium at some practice, and he's like, What's better than this? Guys being dudes. That's and that's the whole thing. <laughs> I love that. That's what's, like the, uh... what's better than this? Guys being dudes. That's like the dudes rock meme that sometimes <laughs> goes around on Twitter when you're just sharing something like dudes rock. Um, yes. Paul writes in to say, hey, guys, I was wondering if you had any plans to cover the undecided on the show. If you do, I have a copy of their secret first quote unquote pre-Christian record that has a bunch of original versions of songs from their tooth and nail record that you might want to hear. Some of the lyrics are different and at times pro-LGBT, which were wiped from the later recordings. Fascinating. My band in the early 2000s used to play shows with them all the time in Winnipeg, so I actually have a ton of weird recordings and related stuff you may be interested in for an episode. If you don't plan to cover them, no worries. They weren't a particularly good band, so I totally get it. Anyway, just thought I'd see if that stuff is of any interest to use to you. Um, thanks, Paul. It may be. They are on our list. I feel like when people <laughs> write in with suggestions, we're usually like, yeah, it's on the list. The list is pretty long. Yes, and it is. here's the deal, Andrew. It's like by the time we get through Craig's brother and our spooky month, there's two months left in the year, <laughs> uh, and we will have covered one, two, three, four, five, six bands. Now they're the yeah. big six, I think. Those are the ones that we were like unquestionably going to cover, right? Um, but there's a pretty long list still remaining, and some of them are bands with only a couple albums or even one album. So I think we should get to some of these, but. We haven't think, quite hammered out yeah, the future. <laughs> we haven't. And there are some like, so a lot of some of these bands, the ones that we were like unequivocally, absolutely knowing that we needed to cover, like the the Slick Shoes and Goaty Hooks and Craig's Brothers of the World. Mm-hmm. Um, we were like, because so, some of these bands were the ones that we had the most experience with. Okay. Some more than others, like for me, more so than than you, but like, Obviously, the bands like Goaty Hook and whatever um, you're more familiar with. But like then there are some bands that like neither of us are that familiar with. Right. And that kind of gets into the dicey territory where it's like, 
we would just be listening to them with uh, 20, 21 ears versus right, right. our 13 year old brains where we're having our minds blown right, by, right. by punk rock for the first time. Yeah. So that, that's some of the, the conversations that John and I need to, need to have. For sure. We've never gone more than a calendar year for a season. Uh, mm. This might be the first one of those. So we'll see. I, there are some more bands I think we want to get to uh, on this list. So anyway. They just might have to be maybe a little bit more abbreviated or we, yeah. we have an episode dedicated to that one band yeah. and try and hit on the right hit on the you know the yeah whatever (laughs) i think that's fair i think we will we'll get to them but yeah interesting uh i'm uh, very interested in that that pro lgbt stuff that was white too sounds sounds and how that interesting yeah and kind of like it just makes me wonder in those kinds of situations who makes that call uh brandon evil <laughs> no i don't know like that's that's what i'm wondering though is it like yeah. is it an evil thing is it a um because i i can't remember if this is a conversation that we had if this is a conversation we had with reese when we talked about um christian bookstore stuff right i don't remember if or maybe it was jason i can't remember a lot of these conversations but i feel like there is a lot of stuff that had to do with it's like if you wanted the Christian bookstore to carry it, which right. was like the target yes. place where you're like, this is where a lot of these records are going to be sold. Right. The cover had to look a certain way. Yeah. The, and even with like, um, you know, that conversation that, that, that Joel had on Urban Achiever about like uh, getting in trouble because a dad looked at the back of the songs we didn't write and looked at what bands were being covered and then looked up lyrics to other songs by those bands. And it's just like, you know, this is like how wild like people get when it comes to like music for their kids back in the day. They're like, I'm not only going to like look and see what's on this record, but I'm going to like research the band right like and this was the early days of the internet so like who this what did he do like go to the record store and like right. it just it just seems Went like a library lot, library like pulled, pulled up out lexus nexus <laughs> yeah microfiche. You know, microfiche he's got the he pulls out like the the newspaper that's on a stick uh-huh. um yeah, we will. We will. We're gonna start a like a specific microfiche based <laughs> podcast. Sounds great. Pod, pod fish. No, I don't know. You can do better. Um, yeah, we uh, we will touch on Family Christian Bookstore in our in our Craig's Brother segments uh, this episode. Um, but yeah, if you weren't if you weren't playing by the Christian Bookstore rules, you're in trouble, baby. Yeah, so man. anyway, uh, undecided. Yeah. We'll possibly get there. Thanks, Paul. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Joel Bell and librarians got, and librarians, uh, we got our boy Brian Canberra. All right, let's try this again for like the fourth time. The first time I screwed it up. The second time a student came in. The third time I screwed it up again. I can do this. I believe in you myself. It, yeah. This is Brian. So uh, that student <laughs> needs to have detention. I think we're all we're all in agreement there. 
Yeah, I'm leaving a voicemail for a podcast. And I'm calling in sort of regards to your conversation about the sort of the interview with Joel Bell. Uh, the part where you were talking about the expectations of musicians to, especially Christian musicians, to preach uh, during the, uh, you know, from the stage when they, where they would be playing. Uh, it really makes me think. First of all, I, I didn't know that this was happening back in the day when I was part of the scene. Um, I sort of found out about it later in the, in time when I read Mark Solomon's book. Mm. So, you know, Mark Solomon, the lead singer of Stavesaker, put out a book. I think it's called Simplicity. I'd have to, I've got it on my shelf, but... Um, he wrote a book back in the day. You can still buy it off his website. But one of the stories he tells in there is about, and I may have even told this before on the pod- podcast. I don't know. But he uh, he tells about this time where uh, the band, like their, their van or whatever broke down. So they literally had rented like a Penske moving truck. And they were touring in this Penske moving truck with their gear in the back and some of the band members in the back because they couldn't fit in the front. So it was hot. Your equipment was falling on you all over the place. It was dangerous. And they did this long drive out to this church. And when they got there, they got out. They went in to perform. And they're just bone-weary, exhausted. Mark finds a bathroom, and he goes to pee. And he's just so tired that he accidentally peed on himself a little bit. Uh, He literally says this, which, uh, you know, props to him for the transparency. And so he's now he's frustrated, kind of pissed off, and, like, dealing with all that. Zips up, washes his hand, and he runs into the youth pastor, like either in the bathroom or walking out. And the youth pastor is like, okay, so here's what's going to happen. You guys are going to, you know, get up on stage and you're going to do a set that's this long. And then after that, you know, you can uh, preach a message that's about this long. And Mark was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, You know, we're not preachers. We don't preach a message. That's not, we're not going to do that. And he was like, well, yeah, you are. That's what we're paying you for. And he's like, no, you're paying us to be a band that performs. We don't preach. That's not who we are. And so they didn't. Well, months later, Mark is at work in the coffee shop that he works at for his regular job in Huntington Beach, California, when this youth group with the same youth pastor pull through on their way for, you know, a mission trip to Mexico. Uh, Cue bunch of believers, ska song, mission trip to Mexico. (laughs) And uh, the youth pastor comes in and like, in front of all of Mark's customers starts like berating him for being a bad Christian because he didn't want to preach and like that they shouldn't look up to him or whatever. And he he talked about in the book, just how mad that made him. And I was like infuriated for him because I was like, that is the most garbage behavior. And if there's any reason to like push people away from the church. Yeah. That's the kind of behavior that the church has exhibited towards both Christians like Mark and in the presence of non-Christians like the customers there at the coffee shop. Uh, if I were either Mark or anyone in that coffee shop and that was my recognition of what Christianity was, I would be like, pass, hard pass. Uh, so I'm sad to hear that that was a normal thing for bands, you know, and I'm Glad that there were good experiences too, um, but I'm sad to hear that there were some of those negative experiences. It was kind of cool to hear Joel talk about some of his experiences. I just wish that they were all more positive. So thanks for doing what you do. You guys are awesome. Magpod for life. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, man. Yeah, that that is a bummer of a story. Yeah. 
who wins in that situation? Right. Yeah. Like if I were, if I were, if I were those kids, I mean, that just sounds embarrassing for everybody. If I were a customer, I would feel uncomfortable. If I were Mark, you know, he was obviously livid, but I would also be like embarrassed and like angry because you can't say anything. You're in that, that power dynamic between customer and, 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 you know, customer service. Right. Gosh, like that's just such a dick move. That sucks. Um, I was not aware that Mark had written a book, but Brian is right. Get him him on the pod. uh, I would love to get him on the pod. I mean, yeah. What, 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 Metal season? Where does Stave Zaker fall for us? I, I mean, Stave Zaker is like hard rock al- season, alternative rock, like yeah. alternative, like I don't even. They're they're they just they're more rock than they are right. metal. Know, a hard rock season maybe a ways off, but regardless, <laughs> talking to Mark would be. If, on if the we're list if we do a metal season, we're we're gonna throw Stave Zaker in there yeah, yeah. just because <laughs> absolutely because I want to talk about them sooner rather than later. Whatever, for sure. But you know, we um, have we have floated the idea of an indie season before we get to like a metal or like or maybe right. if we did a hardcore season. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I don't know we'll where Stave Zaker falls. They are their own thing, which is which part is, of what makes which them is so part great. of which is also part of the problem. Right. Um, but he did indeed write a book called Simplicity uh, that came out in two thousand three. Um, called uh, let's see. He has written a farewell letter to the Christian music industry. <laughs> so that sounds pretty great. I would love to read that. And I, I am very, very into that. Um, so <laughs> we got a, an email from uh, Robert Snyder, who um, presumably is going back through some of our older. <laughs> yeah, I think he said he would update us as he goes through. The yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, loneliness is bliss. John is right. Watch the years crawl by. Andrew is right. Toodaloo. Toodaloo. Uh, that is a Toodaloo. reference to our, to our Arthur episode. Um, and yeah, when we were reading this before, I was like, so what? I assume I was saying that they were both bad. <laughs> so he was saying that <laughs> one is bad and one is good was my analysis of uh, Robert's thoughts here. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I assume that you probably liked Loneliness is Bliss more because it yes. sounded worse. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> and watch the years crawl by was too glossy and too yeah, yeah. too poppy for you. And I was like, in into into all of it. You're like, give me every toodle you got. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Robert sent another email as well, um, which perhaps we can read part of here because it is lengthy. Um, but he was talking about Five Iron. Uh, do you want me to read this one? Yeah, sure. Hit hit us hit us with some of them highlights. All right. So Robert uh, says, I've begun re-listening to the album reviews for Five Iron. I distinctly remember the first time I ever heard a Five Iron Frenzy song. I was sitting in the backseat of the car with my sister, and she told me to listen to the song that some band wrote about me. It was Sucker Punch. Uh, sick burn. Um, <laughs> she had the Seven Ball Gas Collection, which had an earlier mix of the song before our newest album ever came out. Do you know what the Seven Ball Gas Collection is? Yes. Okay. Yeah, seven I Ball was like, a, it was like a... Uh, like a magazine it was like a christian right, right, right. Okay. magazine and then they like sometimes remember when magazines used to like yes put, like demo cds like in like the wrapped in the plastic on the like connected to the like 
to the magazines and stuff like it was the best yeah and you get so you like buy this magazine and like has all these interviews with the bands you love then you also get this comp yeah, yeah. i remember so that's one of the seven ball comps had i got also i'm pretty sure it had mine had dandelions on it if, okay. if i'm remembering correctly but anyway right on uh physical media love you forever um anyway he says it was a joke but five iron came to represent and encapsulate who i was as a person it's hard to underestimate how important the band has been to me i had developed this theory five iron was basically a microcosm of my personality simultaneously funny weird smart goofy deep and serious all at the same time i spent years accumulating t-shirts and other paraphernalia that i would proudly display in the hopes of finding others like me if someone liked five iron that meant that they would like me and understand me it was a guiding principle of my life for a long time and I found a lot of like-minded people that way, you guys included. Well, back at you, Robert. I definitely agree that uh, truly finding our our community, especially yeah. during the Five Iron season, has been true. Yes. Great folks. Um, and then he goes through his top three, which I won't read everything he says, even though I appreciate seeing it, um, from Upbeats. And he said his number one is where zero meets 15. Number two, Milestone. Number three, Old West, which pretty good list. Yes. Uh, Old West is hard to. Um, yeah. Was that a number one? Uh, I, I, gosh, man, I need to, I need to go. I'll back do some and, research while, uh, while you pull up the next something. Yeah. The next. Uh, all right. So we have some additional um, voicemails. Uh, we got one from Davis. What's up, Mag Todd? This is Davis. Uh, it's been a while since I've uh, left the match. It's been a while. Been a while. I'm pulling a Matchbox 20 right now because it's about 3 a.m. where I am. <laughs> anyway. Uh, it's 3 a.m. and Davis is lonely. He's leaving voicemails. <laughs> hey, uh, I've just been um, kind of listening to your Goaty Hook podcast kind of on the side. And, you know, Goaty Hook was kind of a band that, like, I mean, since I didn't really grow up in the Christian punk scene, I've kind of been experiencing it all in retrospect. And man, Goaty Hook has some some cool ass bangers, man. Yeah, they do. Um, <laughs> it is kind of interesting with the the Two Years to Never album in particular, because um, I don't think I ever I didn't start listening to that album until you guys started covering Goaty Hook. I had heard a little bit about it through Growing Up Punk's episode on Goaty Hook, but it was just one I kind of skipped when I was going, when I was kind of going back and listening through it. But I kind of, I kind of feel like Two Years to Never is, in a way, kind of value packed, incognito, done. Ooh. Maybe not done right, but done. Like okay. Executed better. Okay. In a certain sense. Uh, I mean, that's that's kind of my sense on it. And uh, I was wondering, I was wondering, if I didn't, I didn't even let him finish the sentence before right. I was like, because if you if you say some, it's something's kind of value packs incognito. You're just like, those are fighting words. Yes. I don't know. And Joel never said anything about the creek. I also <laughs> have true. to uh, thank you guys in the. Uh, the uh, covers episode uh, for kind of at least at least kind of being respectful for the Elvis um, thing, kind of notice kind of noting how you guys weren't fans, but I mean you guys said it respectfully, so I you guys got some brownie points with me. <laughs> so uh, yeah, 
Oh, and another thing is that, like, kind of seeing the title Lullaby and knowing that they made a covers album, for some reason, it made me think of the Cure's song Lullaby. So now I got a question to ask the both of you. Would you guys like to see a Goaty Hook version of that Cure song? All righty. Magpod for life. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Thanks, Davis. A <laughs> uh, lot to unpack in that in that voicemail. Yeah. Um, I don't know. The voice inside my brain. Elvis is talking to me again. I think I'm going insane, <laughs> you know? Elvis I, is okay. dead. Yeah, Elvis is dead. It's MXPX. Um, never letting those MXPX puns go. <laughs> uh, you know... I don't remember exactly what we said about Elvis, but I I think we both said that we're not, neither of us are Elvis fans. I can but, appreciate his place in music history, but he's yeah, not sort of my go-to. No, he's not. But also I do appreciate when Joel would do like some, a little bit of those affectations, you know, like just make it a little goofy and Elvisy. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but like, I don't, I just, it's one of those, Elvis is one of those artists where he has a very particular vocal style that mm-hmm. I don't think I could listen to an entire record. Sure. Uh, listening to that kind of uh, presentation. It's just <laughs> sure. not, it's just not my, it's just not my thing. I'm not saying Elvis is garbage or. Elvis isn't important or significant. Like you said, in the pantheon of rock and roll history, he has his place. Uh, but... You're saying Elvis ain't the rage and polyester ain't the look, right? <laughs> exactly. That is, that is precisely what I'm saying. You got all the MXPX quotes here. I'm loving it. I'm so here for it. They're in my brain. Um, in answer to your question about The Cure's Lullaby, yeah, man, I'll take all the Goaty Hook covers of The Cure that they want to do. That sounds wonderful. I mean, The Cure is one of those bands, you know, it's like Metallica's got their covers album where all the cool artists are doing their covers. The Cure, I'm sure, has had some sort of compilation like that, but it would be rad to hear some sort of like, you know, punk bands doing The Cure collection. Because as we said, that that little taste of Close to Me from the Five Iron live record, pretty good. Yeah. Other bands, uh, Get Up Kids, have, have covered Close to Me, etc. Um, anyway, breaking news. Yeah, went back and found our top three for upbeats and beatdowns. I'm we ready. both had the old west as our number two. Okay, uh, you had milestone as your number one. Okay, um, which Robert had in his list as well. Uh, you had cool enough for you at number three, and I had beautiful America at number three, which is an interesting choice. And I had cool enough for you at number one. Okay. So anyway, folks. Uh, <laughs> I've heard plenty of that, so we don't need to wear that. <laughs> Just out of curiosity. Yeah. All right. We got a little uh, got a little Sawyer. Uh, hey, what's up, guys? This is uh, Sawyer Fox calling. Um, or as I'm known in the, uh, the Patreon Discord as the child. Yes. Uh, because mm-hmm. what I'm about to say is going to date me um, quite a bit. Um, so I'm listening to, for context, I'm listening to the, uh, second coming of Jesus episode from season two. I am really, really fucking behind. <laughs> I, I know. I, it's a lot of episodes. Um, and you guys were just talking about malls, those things with a bunch of stores in them. Yes. That, 
or what used to have a bunch of stores in them. Yes. Um, so I remember a time where the mall closest to me, literally 10 minutes from, well, from my parents' house, was uh, when that was packed, like, every weekend. Like, mm-hmm. crazy, insane amounts of people all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, I saw a picture, um, uh, an aerial view of the parking lot of that mall from 2004, which is about the time period that I'm thinking, that I'm remembering, where literally there, every single space in that parking lot was filled. That was when I was really young. So I, I've never really said how, I don't know if you realize how old I am. I'm 21, um, turned 22 in a couple weeks, but regardless, I'm, I'm 90% certain I'm the youngest member of this community. I don't know. <laughs> that mall actually closed, the mall closest. You know, my local mall closed. Uh, I think that the pandemic, start of the pandemic last year in 2020 was like the nail in the coffin. It's sure. on its way out. There was like a couple stores in there, like a GameStop still left. But All right. Well, we got to cut off there, Sawyer. But yeah, the uh, the mall situation is uh, is a... It is a relic of years gone by, which is kind of, it's, it's interesting the way you you think about like, where, where do kids today congregate? Because that was like where. On Instagram. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They they go on the TikTok. Is that where they hang out? Milk crates on TikTok. (laughs) Hanging out on milk crates. This is this will be a joke that won't make sense by next week because <laughs> yeah, no, no one's going to care. Um, but yeah, like when when we were in high school, it's like you you go hang out at the mall. You get you go to uh, you know go hang out at Spencer's. Oh, yeah. Go to the, go to the movies at yeah. the mall. You know you do a little record shopping at the mall. You could have got it. Goody got it. Hit up the food court. Get yourself some Sbarro or something. Some Panda Express. Hit up Suncoast and get a $40 VHS tape. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Suncoast. Oh, my God, dude. Check out the Disney store. Oh, man. The The WB store. Dude, Suncoast. Oh, my God. (laughs) I haven't thought about Suncoast in so long. That's my shit. Oh, man. Yeah. I I remember remember those days of, of... hitting up the mall and they had a at the collect i probably told this a bunch of times on the pod like there's a a collectible store that that you could go in there and they'd like have baseball cards and other sports memorabilia but this is also the time when pogs were a rage Hell yeah with the rage bring them up so like I, I remember going in there and being able to like root through like this area that had like a bunch of pogs and <laughs> You know, I was like so pumped to like check like, out all the, the different slammer has a yin yang on it. <laughs> sick. So sick. I don't know what this means, but it looks sick. <laughs> um, like uh, I definitely had a slammer that has a skull on it. I'm oh, like, I did too. Yeah. Hell yeah, bro. <laughs> but yeah, the this idea of a of a of malls yeah. nowadays, like it's it's I hate going to the mall. I hate it. It's so it depresses. Because it's a bummer. Yeah, it depresses me. And to wow. Sawyer's point, it's like any any malls that were like on their last legs, the 
the pandemic certainly certainly yeah, didn't help that shit. Cut the cut the knees off. Um, is that an expression? Um, sure, we'll go with it. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, you know, you're very close to the MOA now, the Mall of America. Yeah. You know what they got in there is a Nickelodeon theme park, formerly they do. Camp Snoopy. They do. I mean, we might have to do a remote a remote record. <laughs> A remote record segment from there at some point. That'll that that's a fun mall still, right? They, they got a theme park in there. They do have a they do have a theme park. They have a Ninja Turtles ride. Yeah. Um. They. I don't think there's any like Doug virtual experience or you know I went zone or anything. I went to I went to the one of the Nickelodeon stores there. Really, uh, really banking on all of the SpongeBob merch. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> If you're if you're Nickelodeon, you're like we got SpongeBob, right? But they yeah. did have some Rugrats stuff because okay. that keeps being rebooted. I feel right. like, yeah, um, it's like a horrific CGI version of that now. Yeah, pass. That was the one thing that was cool about Rugrats was like the bizarre art yeah. style had a cool look. It had a really kind of uh, quick and dirty kind of art style that right. it w- it wasn't clean. That was what was kind of neat about it is that it wasn't clean. And now it's like all smoothed out in CG. Fuck that. They did the same thing with the Ninja Turtles. Yeah. I don't want them smooth. I don't want them smooth. Keep my my Ninja Turtles bumpy. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. That's what I always say. That's what I... That's what I always say. All right. We uh, let's let's wrap up these uh, these voicemails and stuff. We got to we'll 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 cap this off with a little Danny stairs. Good morning, my beautiful boys. It's your boy, Danny Stairs. Uh, just finished up this week's episode with the panel. Mm. Uh, I just want to thank you guys for putting that together. It was a very interesting, thought-provoking discussion. Uh, it was cool to hear from these guys um, who I was not familiar with, but who seem to be doing some really interesting and uh, impactful things in the world. Um, hopefully, I'll remember to try to follow up on them when I'm not driving uh, so that I can keep track of their endeavors because they sound like some really cool guys. Um, keep up the great work. Can't wait to uh, hear next week's episode. Mag top for life. Thanks, buddy. See, uh, was he talking about our our most recent episode with Crispin Mayfield, Joel Harrison, and and Jake Doctor? Was that the episode That's he was talking one. about? I think so. Oh yeah, we uh, you should probably go back and listen to that one if you haven't. Uh, many people are saying it's a good one. Many people, many people are um, saying. I'm not. I'm not going to not do that. <laughs> All right, yeah, we should do. Oh, we one last email. Uh, we got ourselves a Lee mail. That's right, Lee Clements. Uh, so he, uh, Lee, left us uh, this really nice long email and voicemail. Um, and we can't play the whole play the whole thing, but one of the things that he says in his email is that he wanted to hook us up with some bourbon, Hell not yeah. not unlike Meg does with the Meg beers. Um, but you know, he was, uh, looking into some of the rules and regulations and, uh, we don't, we don't really want to get, a, you know, we don't back. want you to go to jail. We don't want you to go to jail or anything. So <laughs> we, uh, we appreciate that. Um, so yeah, when we do, uh, when we do get, get to hang out sometime, I don't know, maybe we need to. We need to have a Lee Magpod connection so Lee can do some can do some like filming of something. Maybe we can get 
you know, hire Lee to do some sort of uh, videography mm. for uh, for the pod. Yeah, man, get that steady cam out. That's yes. that's the that's when I want it smooth. No bumpy <laughs> in my steady cam shots. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we uh, keep it keep it smooth. You know, Lee hashtag Lee keeps it smooth. <laughs> um, feel free, Lee, to use that. Um, but we Absolutely. also he, he left us a, <laughs> left us a voicemail. And he has uh, a number of thoughts in it, but I wanted to get to the the thoughts where he was sharing um, kind of about covers and like what makes a cover. In continuing the covers debate, which I know is probably not going to be not going to matter by the next time you guys record an episode. um, The one that didn't come up that I saw was uh, that that seems to be pretty divisive usually is is hurt uh, written by Trent Reznor famously performed by Nine Inch Nails, but also covered by Johnny Cash and I have been in some very heated debates with some people uh, about which one is better and I've come to the realization that you can't compare them because they are the same song, but done entirely different ways and because of the artists that did them, they mean entirely different things. Johnny Cash only changed one word, you know, he changed it from crown of shit to crown of thorns. So that, you know, you could argue that that changes a lot. And the video that he put out obviously has some symbolism in it. Um, but man, I, you get to the end of downward spiral. This, this just roller coaster that that album is, and you get to the end of that song and it's, you know, it's been kind of building and it, and it cools off for a second. And then those last three, bow, bow, wah, it just is like two minutes of noise. And it's yeah. just a boat anchor it drops you right down into the hole that Trent Reznor was clearly in. And emotionally, it just, it just wrecks you. And then you listen to Johnny Cash's version and it's the end of his career. And it's looking back on this life that he's lived. And it's just like, and it so it emotionally accomplishes two very different things that neither artist could do, uh, you know, uh, on their own. So if there's anything that marks a good cover, I would say it's when it's it's when a cover transcends um, what it is. It's it, it it becomes transcended. If if the, if a covering artist can take a song and make it their own and make it mean something different. If it's the same song, but they make it mean something different, that somehow, uh, it, it is transcendent. It, it becomes, um, especially if it becomes then ubiquitous to that art, to the newer artists. There are lots of, I think famously mm-hmm. somebody introduced Nine Inch Nails performing Hurt by Johnny Cash. Um, <laughs> so there are a lot of people who think that Hurt is a Johnny Cash song uh, and it is, uh, it is not at all. Um, I think that is uh, an excellent point. A song transcending almost itself. Like it, it takes on a new understanding of like what that song even means. Like it, it, it's not even necessarily, I think we talked a lot about, about covers in a stylistic sense. And Mm -hmm. I think what, uh, what Lee is talking about is a song sort of transcending or, achieving a wholly different context and meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, in, in the same way that, and people associate that song with Johnny Cash now in the way that 
people think about Jeff Buckley and Hallelujah, right? Um, and whether or not that's a who, like, can can a an artist covering a song make a song better than the original? Like, right. I feel like that's a whole separate debate and a whole separate conversation. But what do you yeah. what do you think about what Lee said? Uh, I know that I brought up Hurt at some point, but it may have been after he left this voicemail. It might have been in the episode after where we were kind of going through people's thoughts on covers. Because that does, I mean, it is sort of like a definitive cover of an artist sort of, I mean, Trent Reznor even said like, when he heard it, he was like, the song's not mine anymore. Like it kind of became a a solid part of the Johnny Cash uh, discography and story. So no, I absolutely... Agree with him. I think, you know, those times when an artist can kind of transcend an original song by making it their own and recontextualizing it for their own experience, like that's that's certainly a unique thing. And that that song is one of those uh rare ones. And I think we I think we talked about Hallelujah as well in that conversation, that that's you know another perfect example of that very thing. So right. Yep. Exactly. Uh Lee, I gotta say, very, very sensuous voice. Very uh <laughs> Smooth, hey, smooth, smooth all around. Yeah, yeah. Lee keeps Lee keeps everything smooth. Yeah. Or should I say, Lee keeps it smooth. I don't know if you should say that. I don't know. Nobody should say that. <laughs> all right, we're about an hour into this episode. <laughs> we got lots of content to go. Should we move along? I think we unequivocally need to <laughs> to move along. People have opinions. People have thoughts. But more importantly, John, we have takes. The takes with John Park. Thank you. I was I was waiting too long for my uh, exploding introduction there. Um, you know, I normally say I kind of blur the line between my Joy Boys offerings and my takes. Maybe I should have some more. This is bad takes. Well, I got a couple this week. So strap in, America. Uh, here's my take. The Texas legislature and the Supreme Court are bad. <laughs> yes. Um, I have a feeling this will be one of your takes as well. Um, but as we are recording this episode, uh, the Supreme Court did not respond to an emergency request to block Texas's new six-week abortion ban, which means it will take effect uh, unless the Supreme Court later intervenes uh, six weeks is before many people know that they're pregnant. Uh, so... Mm-hmm. That is a factor. Uh, under the bill, any private citizen can sue anyone who they think is assisting someone in accessing abortion. Like if you hear a pastor or rideshare operator or anybody who hears anything, you can turn them in and rat them out and receive $10,000 if they successfully tip someone off. Um, I can't believe we live in a world where that's the case. I can't believe we live in a world where Donald Trump appointed one third of the Supreme Court. Uh, and this is one in a list of many awful heartbreaking things that are happening right now, as you alluded to up top. Um, but just today, you know, I saw some posts from folks who are like, hey, men, hey, like cishet men, it's time for yeah. you to use whatever platform you have um, to talk about this because yes. uh, it may affect women, but um men must be a part of the fight for women's rights um, to be realized. So I'll just say quickly, this is the end of my rant on this, but there are lots of organizations to support in this moment, the ACLU, Planned Parenthood, of course, uh, the Abortion Care Network, 
the Yellowhammer Fund. There are ways that we can assist folks um, in Texas and in other places where abortion rights are under attack, but yes. um, particularly bleak in Texas. Yes. I want to just say a couple things about that. You know, some people might think, gosh, Andrew and John this season have talked a lot about abortion because obviously a lot of the songs that mm. we've been covering bands we've been covering this season, especially in the nineties talked about that a lot. And it's like, uh, but it's still a fucking problem that yep. people are still like having to f- women and are still having to fight for their reproductive rights. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to keep talking about it. Right. And we just, I just, one of my takes recently, or I don't remember what segment it was, whether it was, takes joy boys maybe um talking about women's autonomy i was probably talking about lord and and uh halsey halsey and the their album cover and Mm -hmm. so we're not gonna stop talking about it because it's a problem that that uh i should say you know be you know clear that like anyone with a uterus not necessarily because there are some trans yeah. Um, men who still have uh, the reproductive, uh, you know, but anyway, I just want to make that distinction, but I, we, we will always be vocal supporters of uh, women and their right to choose uh, what they do with their bodies, what goes on with their doctors and their health providers. And that's, that's just going to be the way it is. And so yeah, we're going to bring this up because we live in a world, as John said, where uh, women who might not know they're pregnant now don't have a choice and they could get ratted out like some sort of fucking dystopian world. Right. You know, like this is uh, Handmaid's Tale or something. Yeah, yeah this, is the, this is the first step and people can say that's hyperbolic or whatever, but this is a path to that... <laughs> kind of fascist state so we got that going on uh another take about something that's bad kanye west bad uh <laughs> we have shared kanye thoughts what endlessly I, on didn't we have a, didn't we have like a permanent ban on talking about kanye okay i know i'm point? sorry i'm sorry but this is the first <laughs> now the last time that we whatever he, it's been it's been over a season i think since yeah, we yeah. talked about kanye he's a complicated figure right he was at the center of our whole discussion on separating the art from the artist now, has he like absolutely gone off the deep end in terms of things he could do that may alienate me from ever being any sort of fan of him artistically? Possibly. Um, but the last time he put out a record, we talked about it on the podcast and we were like mixed on it. But, you know, it was it was interesting enough to warrant our saying like there were a few good songs on it after, you know, very long delay. The album Donda came out apparently without his uh, approval was released on spotify it's like an hour and 45 minutes long and like 27 songs long he's in all these listening concerts where he's had where he's played the the album and had like marilyn manson and baby there some sort of statement about being canceled whatever I, there's Christ. there's a there's an aspect to this of this to which i could be like but you know there's still some bangers and i gotta sort of separate 
those things or at least have the conversation but the album just sucks so that's he is in a bad way you know in every way so not a hot take um but this album while there are some interesting beats here and there the whole thing is just a slog and a bummer and no good anyway moving on to my final take halsey is good uh as you mentioned you're the one who brought her up before the the new album was on my radar a little bit but man i listened to this thing the moment it was released her new album and it rules so hard uh i'm i'm a huge fan of it as we talked about trent reznor and atticus ross uh boy nine inch nails all over this episode um (laughs) produced the record and it's not just that they produced it 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 sounds very nine inch nailsy i mean the influence uh of trent's sound is all over this record and she's in a really i you know i will admit i don't know her super well her other stuff is definitely poppier much more sort of darker and industrial on this record um but i'm super into what she's doing it's called if i can't have love i want power i think it rules uh if folks haven't checked it out please do those are my takes um thank you john for those um would i be able to share some of mine yes please what what you got the takes with andrew Thielen. So this is this is a take that uh, I've wanted to share for a while now because I've been getting hyped up on this and upset about this for a number of weeks. So there is a YouTube channel that I've been watching for many, 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 many years. Uh, it's a YouTube channel called Jack's Films. And the uh, guy who runs it, his name is Jack Douglas. And his uh he does a variety of content but he he does a one segment that he does is something called jack ask where people will send in questions and ask him some things and in recent weeks in the past maybe in the last couple months but like more recently he has dogged on the movie Clifford uh, because he talks, he talks about how his wife, Aaron loves the movie Clifford and on two, good taste. on two separate occasions, he shit all over Clifford. And I'm like, anytime he calls anytime. I, and I said this both times publicly, I tweeted at him and got some, you know, some likes from his, his wife. And I'm like, anytime you say something about Clifford, I'm going to at you and call you out <laughs> for this terrible take because Clifford, the film starring uh, Martin Short, is uh, is a grossly misunderstood film. It is so misunderstood, underappreciated. Um, it's got <laughs> Charles Grodin in it as well in like this unbelievable role. Um, for those of you who are not familiar with Clifford, it is Martin Short as a 40-year-old man playing a 10-year-old boy mm-hmm. um, who he's staying with his uncle, his, his uncle, my, uncle, uncle Martin. Martin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uncle Martin. Um, uh, and he wants to, and so uh, Uncle Martin, his Uncle Martin promises to take him to Dinosaur World, which is like this the happiest place a boy can be. And, and so, and then uncle Martin like goes back on this promise and Clifford 
go, does everything in his power to essentially like ruin his life. And I guess it's this sort of a, a play on this other film called the bad seed, which was right. You know, just about it's uh, about like just a nightmare kid, but um, and I guess around the same time problem child was coming out like in the same right, right. era. And so this idea of another movie about a young kid who is a, a, a terror starring a kid was just not up. It was not going to maybe fly. And so they pitched this idea of, of Marty short playing a 10 year old and, Oh, it's, it's such, it's so absurd and it's so dark and wonderful and so weird. It's so weird. And it has Mary Steenburgen in it. And it has, um, um, What's his name? Why, why am I blanking on his name? The guy who plays, uh, the guy who plays um, Richard Kind. Richard Kind. Yeah. <laughs> Richard Kind plays uh, Martin Short's actual dad in the in the movie. Um, but you can tell, like, because Richard Kind talks about like in this. You sent you sent me this. You posted this in yes. one of the in one of the replies. The and this is like very recent. This was yeah. uh, July. Um, Vulture did the an oral history of of um, of Clifford by Rob Turbovsky. And Anybody it, should look it up if they're interested. It's so long. Yeah, and it's great. It's so long. And uh, and so this guy reached out to um, the one of the co-writers, uh, Steve Campman. Stephen Campman, and he said, you're the first person I've talked to about this at all. And not because I'm sensitive. It's just there's no reason to discuss it. No one's ever approached me about the making of the movie. Like, <laughs> That's <laughs> so, their mistake. Yeah. Like, and it, so there's this, it's just this, like, and it's pretty much everybody involved. Yeah. This, this long, long interview. And um, we've, we've talked about Roger Ebert on this pod a lot. We mm -hmm. we stand some Roger Ebert. Yes. This is a terrible take <laughs> by Roger Ebert. Um uh in the opening paragraph of this of this article it says it endured some of the most negative reviews a film could ever hope to avoid. And a half-star pan declared that declared the movie quote irredeemably not funny. Roger Ebert wrote that there was quote something extraterrestrial about it as if it's based on the sense of humor of an alien race with a completely different relationship to the physical universe <laughs> and say what you want about Roger Ebert, uh, like, like in his take on this movie, albeit you know, a wrong take, he has a way of just like tearing a movie apart that I mean, no, that nobody yeah. else did. And He's sure. sort of not wrong, but that's what I love about it. <laughs> yes, it's, it is, but it's to call it, irredeemably not funny no, is to hilarious. kind of to misunderstand yeah. the dark humor of it and the absurdity like it's yes. like something being absurd doesn't necessarily mean it's not funny the right. whole on the face of it a 40 year old man playing a 10 year old <laughs> boy and nobody like and that's not like and it's not like people are like 
does Clifford look like an old man? Like, <laughs> right, right. it's just like he, he's, you just understood that in this universe, he is a 10 year old boy. Uh, it's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Somebody in there makes the point that like, if it had been played by a kid, it probably wouldn't be a very good movie. <laughs> like, no. And David, so David, interesting is that it's Martin Short. Yes. David Letterman talked about, right. Right. He's like, he's like, if this is a, this, this, if this was a kid, like I wouldn't have seen that, but it's Marty short. So of course, where do I buy the tickets? <laughs> right. Yeah. He's, he's so right. <laughs> I'm just laughing because I'm looking at the quotes page on IMDb and it's like <laughs> Martin is saying, listen to me, listen to me a minute. Just leave the dinosaur there. I'm trying to tell you something. When I was a little boy, you know, you touched the dinosaur. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Stefan wanted to stand here. Give it to me. I'll rip its head off. Give it to me. God almighty boy. <laughs> Now, if that sounds funny to you, it's a thousand times funnier than that. And it's an hour and a half of that. Because <laughs> it's because it's because also the way that Martin Short yeah. looks, looks <laughs> at him because he has this like pure, sweet, innocent face uh-huh. on him. And he just like drives absolutely everybody <laughs> r- crazy. Uh, but also so Richard, good. Richard Kind talks about in this interview, in this interview, it's like if he was if he had to act opposite an actual right. 10 year old boy <laughs> right. he would have acted completely different but right. he's but he's talking to a 40 year old man in martin short so he can yell at him and be a, and like be more aggressive because it's like the optics of him yelling at a child versus an adult man are very different so <laughs> right. you can take all of their performances way right, over right. the top oh, and man. so yeah so charles groden being He's like, I'm gonna kill you. Saying that to a child right. looks, <laughs> <laughs> but like I can, I could just I'm visualizing these scenes in my head, and that, and that like conversation at the di- at the table with the dinosaur, and like, and also like look, at, look at me like a human look boy. Me, look at me like a human. You can't boy. do it. I can't you can't do it. Can't, can't do it. Can't. <laughs> it's. Ugh. I still stand by that. Like that's one of the funniest things ever written down. Yes. In in all of cinema. Just look at me like a human boy is just oh, so that if that's if you're not laughing at that phrase, it's so fucking funny. I love it so much. Charles oh, Grodin. Man. And also I was taking issue with Jack talking shit about uh, about this movie because it was like like a month or so after Charles Grodin had died. I'm like, mm. man is barely in the ground. You take you take. You take the name, uh, his name out, the, of, out your mouth. Take your name, his name out your mouth, man. Those are, uh, yeah, two of the funniest humans to ever walk <laughs> the earth. Charles Gardner, Martin Short. So, yes. Yeah. Anyway, that's a great take. Yeah, I just I couldn't I couldn't not talk about this for another for another episode. I'm like I needed <laughs> I needed to put it out in the universe that I if you like a, if you like a weird dark uh, absurd comedy then go check out check out Clifford because I remember my this is another quick story and then we'll move on uh, but I remember and <laughs> I feel I had this conversation with uh, our, our our dear sweet friend Beard um, Eric Nordenson he has a very <laughs> different experience with with Clifford because he and this is also a very dated story because he, he told me the story recently because I was talking very impassioned about it. And he says like one of his most pained video store experiences was connected to Clifford that he was like, and so many of us have been there wandering around the video store, trying to figure out what you wanted to watch. You're like with a friend, you can't decide on anything. It's taking forever. You're not sure what to do. And they ended up like, 
begrudgingly landing on Clifford. They didn't know what it was. And then they were watching it and they were like, what is this? What is going on? And they were so distraught because they like spent all this time and this movie's so weird. Sounds like they made a good choice to me. I don't know. <laughs> and I remember that I picked this movie years ago when I was a kid, like probably early 90s, probably after it had come out on VHS or whatever. And I was with family and I'm like, I love this movie. We need to watch this movie. It's so funny. Everybody hated it. Everybody hated it. I'm uh, like, this movie rules. This is so funny. Yeah. Uh, he has this conversation. He's like talking to his dinosaur. It's like, I'm like, I was so into it. But, it's not uh, the same sensibility, but I feel like you can draw a line from fans of UHF to fans of Clifford, <laughs> like just sort of, yeah, whatever, alien humor, whatever you want to say. There are a certain demographic of people who find those things funny and maybe the rest of the people at a gathering would be confused, but. Exactly. Anyway, exactly. good take. Anyway, good takes all around. Those are the takes. Kaboom. Kaboom. Um, all right, John. Yes. Are you, I have, I have an important question for you. Hit me. Do you want to play a game? I'm ready. Yes. All right. Uh, this episode, we're talking Craig's brother, Homecoming. Mm. So I'm going to ask you a variety of questions about things relating to that. Okay. In a game I'm calling <laughs> Craig's brother. I barely know her. <laughs> waka waka. Which barely makes sense. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. First question. Night of the Creeps, a.k.a. Homecoming Night, was a 1986 horror film with this tagline. A, the good news is your dates are here. The bad news is they're dead. That rules. <laughs> B, save me a dance in hell. <laughs> C, this is a night you'll never forget or survive. D or D, pretty girls, handsome boys, murderous zombies. <laughs> All solid contenders. Uh, Are you familiar never, with this film? I am familiar with it. I've never seen it. Okay. Um, it was done by the same guy, uh, the same guy who did Monster Squad. Ah, yes. Maybe that's why it's... This movie came out... Uh, a year before Monster Squad. Okay. Um, yes, I do remember seeing it. And that is perhaps why, as we were talking about with the video store, I can sort of picture the VHS box, um, which is maybe why I think I know the answer. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go A. The good news is your dates are here. The bad news is they're dead. John, you're correct. Hell yeah. It's, it's, I mean, they were all plausible, all strong contenders, but that's so perfect. It is. Uh, it just seemed like, yeah, I feel like I've seen that in my brain somewhere. Let, let's watch the trailer for Night of the Creeps. Yes, please. TriStar Pictures, baby. The night of the fall is finally here for Chris, Cindy, and JC. <laughs> and the JC. Night of their lives. But tonight is also the night of the creeps. <laughs> From a world unknown comes a nightmare unimagined. 
crushed. They are under. I just want to I just want to point out in this scene there's a guy sitting on a toilet like in like I guess some sort of frat house or whatever in uh-huh. this like stall bathroom stall and uh, scrawled on the wall <laughs> it says striper rules hell yeah so I don't know if this is like somebody in the set design like wanted to be like they're like a big christian metal fan in the 80s or whatever apparently it's a hell of the devil baby (laughs) around you (laughs) on you and then inside you Uh and get in through your mouth and you walk around while they incubate even if you're dead they are a new like slugs flying around inhabiting people Exploding heads, crawlies. <laughs> we could have a little problem. The creeps are taking over. Oh, I got good news and bad news, girls. The good news is your dates are here. What's the bad news? They're dead. Perfect. You have never had a night like this. Night of the creeps. Pretty good. So there you go. Night of the creeps. Pretty good. I knew um, there were zombies. I didn't know there were little slug things involved. That's, yeah, the slug creepy. the slug things are, I guess, what like inhabits you. Right. Yeah, it's right. one of those things where like um it's it's trying to hit on all the different tropes. It's like monsters, it's aliens, it's zombies, it's striper. A, it's, it's a slasher. It's a striper. Uh, it's a striper. Um, also, I'm I'm assuming there are lots of like 80s boobs in this in this movie. Hashtag because 80s boobs. Hashtag 80s boobs. When you're when you're talking like a college slasher film from the 80s, and all these girls are like walking around in their in their like you know 90s and right, right. bras and stuff. You're like as you do as one does when you're preparing for a dance. <laughs> yes. Sir. All right. Um, John, hmm. first question's right. All right. Question two. Hallmark has put out approximately 600 Christmas movies. <laughs> That's so many. I don't know. I just made that up. <laughs> okay. It's probably true. It's probably true. But there's like, I feel like there's a billion Christmas movies put out every year, uh, but they all have similar plots. What is the plot for a homecoming for the holidays? A, when a travel writer shows up unexpectedly at their dad's bed and breakfast. The Ralston family all pretend to be guests in hopes of a good review. Lucy falls for guest Jake, but can't share her secret. Mm, she's a zombie. <laughs> yeah, she's she's a creep. Yeah. Uh, B. Country singer Charlotte works with her brother's friend to build a house for a friend in town. Sounds like a thrilling plot for a film. <laughs> uh, C. Five guests are mysteriously invited to an inn to celebrate Christmas. With the help of the owner, Ben, Sarah discovers that an event from the past may connect them and change their lives forever. Or is it D, when her family's beloved eatery, the Starlight Cafe, is slated for demolition, Annie vows to put a stop to it before Christmas. Mm. These are all, these are all plausible. Well, they're also all real plots. 
oh these are actually from these are all actually from movies it's just that one of them is for homecoming correct fascinating these are all actual real films okay that someone was paid money for (laughs) people spent time making them and acted in them and then said the words that were on a script (laughs) not that i doubt your ability to come up with a plausible homecoming christmas movie scenario but those are all very on the money um boy homecoming though which one says homecoming you got your travel writer you got your country singer in at christmas there's always an in <laughs> there's got to be an in um beloved eatery man i feel like it's between a and c uh boy which one is like i'm 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 going c that feels the most homecoming to me that they uh the one with the inn. they're they're at an inn they're all mysteriously invited to an inn yeah uh i'm sorry john uh Shit. the correct answer is country singer charlotte works <laughs> with her brother's friend to build a house for a friend in town Boring. because because i guess home coming there's a home. a home they're building a home for their friend mm. um yeah that's not a that's not a plot for a movie by the way no <laughs> it's a... <laughs> no it's not it sucks sounds like a local news story <laughs> it yeah it is not it's not there's nothing compelling about this at all yep. all right question all right. three many people may know craig robinson for his role as daryl philbin in the office or as doug judy from brooklyn 99 but do people know Craig's brother, Chris? Chris starred alongside his brother, Craig, in a commercial for what brand and product? A, Pocky One Chip Challenge. B, Dietz and Watson Jerky Snack Dietz Nuts. C, Cheese It Snapped. Or D, Flamin' Hot and Mountain Dew. Hmm. So are what's you, are the... you are you familiar with Craig's brother, Chris? Uh, <laughs> I'm not familiar <laughs> with Craig's brother, Chris. Um, no, I I don't know about Chris Robinson. Chris, uh, he's he's a um, musician in his own right. Actually, he's all right. Uh, not an actor, but he does. Uh, he has performed music with a lot of notable artists. All right, right on. Uh, I appreciate your ability to find the question about a Craig's brother. Um, I'm going to say Dietz Nuts. Sounds sounds wacky. You're going uh, Craig and Chris did a commercial for Dietz and Watson, Dietz Nuts. John, you are correct. Boom. And I'm very happy to announce that I am going to play this commercial because Perfect. it's outstanding. I think I may have seen this. These nuts. What are those? <laughs> These? Deets nuts. Deets and Watson. Deets nuts. Those are nuts. Deets nuts aren't nut nuts. Deets nuts are meat nuts. Those are meat nuts. Meat nuts. They're Deets nuts. Can get one of those? Go ahead. Grab a handful of Deets nuts. <laughs> God, get a good grip in there. Hey, Chris, how do these nuts taste? Are they delicious? <laughs> what a fun snack. 
Deets and Watson. <laughs> These nuts. It's pretty great. It's pretty saucy. <laughs> a Deets nuts taste. <laughs> what a fun snack. <laughs> that sounds like a Craig Robinson improv right there. What a fun snack. Deets yeah, nuts. That's pretty good. I think that was in the back of my mind somewhere as a thing that existed. I got to say, like, meat, jerky, nut snack, not appealing to me. <laughs> but uh... <laughs> no, Deets nuts are not nut nuts. Yeah, meat nuts. nuts. <laughs> oh, cool. Gross. <laughs> Deets nuts. Um, all right. We're going from Deets nuts to uh, talking about masturbation. All right. Um, question four. Masturbation may not make you go blind, <laughs> mm. but John Harvey Kellogg thought it might. Uh. Among dimness of vision, the inventor of Kellogg's cornflakes thought this, quote, solitary vice caused a variety of ailments. Which of these did Kellogg not attribute to masturbation? A, uterine cancer. B, epilepsy. C, death. <laughs> D, baldness. Or E, he thought masturbation caused all of these. Hmm. The Kellogg history is a wild one. It is troubling as fuck. <laughs> There's a movie about this that I saw as a kid. Um, and I cannot think of the name of it, but it is weird. Yeah, I am going to say E. He thought masturbation caused all these. Uh, John, you are you are correct. <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah, John Harvey Kellogg. Um, if there was an ailment, I'm pretty. I think it's safe to assume he thought that jerking off caused it. Uh, yeah, it just read any of his writing and it's just it's very it's all very troubling yes uh genital mutilation was was part of it like trying to give boys and men to give them circumcisions when they're older and burning girls uh you know with with their genitals with like acids and stuff to reduce sensitivity it's just like this is in the in the in the realm of of things in the world like someone experiencing pleasure come on john <laughs> like yeah just just don't yeah so he made cornflakes and he had like a sanitarium or right. whatever That's what's did. so weird is like cornflakes are the thing that are now synonymous with kellogg but that was like one small aspect of his incredibly strange enterprise uh yes the movie that i was talking about was called the road to wellville where Anthony Hopkins plays Dr. Kellogg. Uh, he opened a sanitarium in Battle Creek, Michigan, where he practiced his unusual methods for maintaining health, including colonic, ir colonic irrigation, electrical stimulus, and sexual abstinence, vegetarianism, and physical exercise. So, among other awful things, as you're mentioning. <clears throat> yes, he, uh, he thought that one of the reasons that he made cornflakes is because he thought... Um, spicy foods and other like uh, flavorful foods caused excitement which might lead to masturbation so he like <laughs> like just pretty much uh, for him like all roads led to masturbation right I mm, wonder what that says about him <laughs> ah, calm down guy like yeah like it's funny when you looked at there were like a list of like 39 things that he said like would happen to you if you masturbated mm -hmm. 
and I'm like, man, I none of these like, you know, if if masturbation caused baldness, man, I would be bald as you know a newborn baby. Said you got those luscious locks. So what does that tell you? <laughs> I'm not I'm not jerking off enough. Is <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Gonna end the episode right here. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, John. You got a I'm, I'm on I'm on fire, baby. Yeah, you're you got a you're drinking that flaming hot Mountain Dew. That's right. Which is a real product, by the way. Definitely um, causes masturbation, probably. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, almost certainly. All right. <laughs> Last question. The lyrics booklet for Homecoming features a layout similar to that of a yearbook. Many high schools allow seniors to publish a quote with their photo sometimes with hilarious results. I'm going to show you a senior photo and you tell me what you think the quote was. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is a tricky one. So there's intuition. You got, you see Jason Avina there. Mm -hmm. You see our dude. I see him. All right. What's his deal? So what do you think? Uh, what do you think his quote was, John? <laughs> is this a, a real person? This is a real person, a real yearbook photo. <laughs> okay. Um, a, if at first you don't succeed, quit. Work is hard. B, I have definitely peaked already. C, one time I ate a bagel. D, I went four years without pooping in this building. Jason, you wacky guy. Um, I feel like I've seen D somewhere. So perhaps Jason went viral for saying he went four years without pooping in the building. That's what I'm going with. You're going, uh, you went four years without pooping in the building. John, I'm sorry. <clears throat> that is not correct. Um, let's, uh, let's see what the answer is. One time I ate a bagel. I mean, very solid, very solid senior <laughs> quote. He's, um, uh, he, he looks like a, uh, a happy gentleman. <laughs> Yeah, he looks like a future comedy writer, probably. <laughs> um, it can't top. Um, there's nothing quite like being sure of what's inside your heart, which is, of course, my senior quote. Yes. Uh, poetry I feel, for the ages. I feel robbed. That I feel like I am the only person that I went to the only high school that didn't do senior quotes in their yearbook. It's bullshit. I would have loved it to have known which weird out quote you would have used. Oh, man. I probably would have. I also probably would have done like, mxpx or or some right. some music quote or probably some, either that or something about jesus you know <laughs> yeah um i yeah in looking in looking up these a lot of these things for this game there are a lot of <laughs> some some people went pretty far and like went pretty scandalous yeah. Which makes you think like who's overseeing these yearbooks? Mm. What's the deal with these yearbook editors? What's the deal with Deets Nuts? <laughs> um one time I ate a bagel solid, solid though. It's very solid. That. Uh good game. I feel like I've I've come home. I feel like I've seen some Craig's brothers. <laughs> I'm ready to dive into the real deal, baby. Oh man, I am I'm very, very ready. Um so when we come back. We are going to come home. We're no longer going to be adding insult to injury by, ah, by, by, de by delaying this any longer. That's right. Nailed it. Hey, 
Brown Sugar. I'm Erica Michelle. I host a voice diary called Brown Sugar Diaries on the Rock Candy Network, where I spill all the tea about my dating experiences, life lessons, my journey to healing and wholeness, my life as an entrepreneur, student doctor, CEO of a nonprofit, and I give my opinion on the current happenings of the world. You see why I have this voice diary? I got a lot of stuff to talk about. Tune into Brown Sugar Diaries wherever you listen to podcasts, and let's sip on this tea or wine. Your cup, your business, sugar, okay? Beautiful ballad. I, I don't know if most people know this, but uh, Homecoming is mostly an acoustic indie record. <laughs> Weird. It's not yeah. how I experienced it. Yeah, we we shifted we shifted mid season to <laughs> the indie season. Right. Makes sense. Uh, Andrew, I have a question for you. <laughs> yes, I'm I'm here for this question. <laughs> when did you first hear of Craig's brother? So. I very likely first heard of Craig's brother because of a songs from the penalty box comp, uh. um, which I think had uh, Dear Charlotte, I think was the song that was on the songs from the penalty box okay. comp. Um, and I think that was probably what prompted me to where this record, whether it was from a catalog or from the Christian bookstore. I honestly do not. I do not remember. Yeah. But I do remember really wanting to get this record. That makes sense. I mean, I'm sure I had some of those comps and heard some of those songs. I don't know why I wouldn't have sought them out, but for some reason they've always been a blind spot for me. Like the biggest blind spot of any band this season, I would say them and Dogwood, but Dogwood, I had some level of knowledge of and Craig's brother. I really don't think I'd ever heard anything until the season and yeah. uh, uh it was definitely so songs from the penalty box volume two okay which had started opened with i love rock and roll by goatee hook right on had some blind sides slick shoes craig's brother some staves acre 90 pound was zayo pretty good some dingies yeah it was a uh, i'm okay you're okay by the cooties sure so it's got it all it's got a got a lot of bangers on that one that's a good that's a solid collection and yeah. uh here's the thing about this album andrew uh, yeah. it rules yes it does <laughs> i i'm very happy to now have homecoming in my repertoire of albums i will play um yeah i'm excited to get into it this was released may 19th 1998 on tooth and nail recorded and engineered by donald cameron who had produced no effects, no use for a name, rancid. I mean, a lot of heavy hitters, but also went on to do like officer negative. So was clearly going back and forth between Christian secular worlds a bit. Uh, mastered by our dude, Brian Gardner, um, recorded at West Beach Recorders in Hollywood. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get more into the record, but just to, to give a little general Craig's brother background, um, you know, we're diving back into California. Uh, we'd spent some time on the East Coast recently, but but now we're back in uh, now we're in Santa Cruz. Mm. They formed in 1995 there. Um, they were called Craig's Brother because that's what people called 
uh, Scott, who played bass in high school because his brother was more popular <laughs> and was named Craig. <laughs> um, they signed to Tooth and Nail in 1997, put out Homecoming in 98. The initial lineup was Ted Bond on lead vocals and guitar, Andy Snyder on guitar, Scott Rapoff on bass, Heath Conkle on drums, Adam Nye joined in 96 on guitar and background vocals. Uh, just after they had finished recording their demo and their EP, Keeping It Real, which was released in 97 on Applejack's records, in which we will cover on the Patreon this week as part of the early years compilation. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, they there were some lineup changes. There was some drama with the label. I think we'll get into some of that as we go on in the series. Wait, 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 wait. There was drama. I know, right? With Tooth and Nail and the band. It's hard to believe. It's I don't know believe. if I'd buy this. Um, but in particular, as we referenced uh, in the first half of the episode, they got complaints from family Christian bookstores uh, about the band multiple times, including for the fact that they had the song Going Blind, which was about, you know, lust and masturbation and whatever, uh, which led them to drop the band for a time uh, and then would eventually. Uh, add them again but apparently that was kind of like that led to the beginning of a rift between the band and the label it was kind of always a bumpy situation uh, after the homecoming tour adam and andy left the band to form too bad eugene um and that was you know two of their three songwriters were then gone and we'll get into it next week but the second record is kind of a different different deal than the first <laughs> yes <laughs> um there had always been a, a degree of discomfort with being considered a Christian band, it sounded like, um, and in their relationship with Tooth and Nail, especially from Ted. Um, and then there were some more lineup changes that came. Uh, in 1998, Adam and Andy were replaced with Dan McClintock and Ryan Key, who left the band the following year to join Yellow Card. Right. Ryan Key famously, yeah, lead singer of Yellow Card. And he wrote the song Rockstar Legend about his experience auditioning for Craig's brother for, for Yellow Card. Uh, later that year, Dan left to rejoin the band Inspection 12. Then Heath also left. Uh, and then they were those they were eventually replaced with Garrett Baldwin, Juice Cabrera, and Steven Neufeld. Um, but we'll get into a little bit of that drama with the second record in Tooth and Nail next week. Uh, Last and See, their second record was released in 2001, and they broke up in 2002. Uh, then they reformed in 2003 with Ted Scott and Heath, some other rotating players. They released the EP, EP Edemic in 2004 on Takeover Records. Glade Wilson eventually joined on guitar, and that kind of became the lineup. Uh, let's see, in 2009, they began recording a new LP and released The Insidious Lie in 2011, their third full length. They released that one independently. Uh, they toured kind of off and on for a while, and then uh, in 2013, they put out that compilation of 10 of their earliest recordings the early years which we'll cover on the patreon as i said uh, and then they began recording and releasing new music in 2017 you know we talked about the video for follow your heart as we heard parodied in our intro or you know whatever pastiche maybe not parody yeah um the the song that ted wrote for his daughter on the show it's a very uh, heart heart string tugging I, song and video i I can't wait till we can we get to talk about the devils in the details because I think this it's an outstanding EP and yeah. that video uh, is so good and it it gives me it gives me like like MXPX Let's Ride vibes in like mm, a kind of yeah, a, a yeah. or um, 
you know, other MXPX music videos in recent years, just like talking about family and friends and just like, yeah. But this one is just, it's so emotional. <laughs> and yeah. like, cause like watching someone live react yeah. to a song that you wrote for them is just like, you know, you gotta, you gotta have a, you gotta have a stone heart. <laughs> right. To not be like, oh man, this is this is beautiful stuff. Yeah, it's really good. I think that's a good comp to to MXPX's more recent stuff because I feel like similarly. So yeah, you mentioned in 2019 they released this EP, Devil in the Details, on Indivision Music, which we'll get to, and they're currently working on a new full length, uh, which is coming out soon, which is exciting. But in the same way that MXPX has kind of matured, yes, they've retained this like harder edge sound, but always keeping right. the sort of melodic element but they've really matured in this way where the the sound of the songs and the the content of the songs has aged with them and with their audience in a really satisfying way that still sounds rad so yes it's a good comparison yeah um so should we go back in time a full 21 years yeah um and well i guess we're i, mean, I was thinking 21 years from the 2019 so right, I guess, right. I mean, I guess we're going back 23 years. 23 years. Yep. Um, but I guess we didn't really, we didn't really talk about like when you first heard them. When did you first hear of Craig's brother? This season. I mean, I'm sure I heard of them as you're saying, I'm sure I saw their name on comps and I probably heard them on some of those comps, but I never, they were just some, I, I don't think I ever saw them. They were just never on my radar. And I, I weirdly thought of it as sort of like, this big blind spot but doing research it's like there's really the one album that is kind of like the most resonant and the biggest deal for people um but it's cool that they've kept going and uh, you know we'll get there but i think their their third record and their fourth record which is an ep are both really strong and i don't know i'm into them but they're they're new to me man they're well new i, I um I'm so glad that we're finally getting here. Um, yeah. I know a lot of people have been anxious for us to talk about it. And I'm really happy that uh, you love this record because it it's it very much holds up for me yes. in a lot of very interesting ways. Yeah. So let's start off with insult to injury. Ooh. Here we go. Oof. Open up that pit, bro.
Oh my god, this is my number one. Okay, it's it's not in my top three. What? Are you out of your fucking mind? Oh my god, this song this song goes so hard. It does. It goes I love it so hard. Oh my it's god, great. I'm sure. I think this is one of the more popular songs oh, on this record. Oh my so god, I'm it's German than I'm minority. It, but like the movements of this song, like it's, yeah, no, it's, it's great. You're not getting you're not getting like a lot of like verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Like, like it's hard to even like identify a chorus. I don't even think the yeah. song really has a chorus. Right. It just it just kind of keeps going. And like this is what I find so fascinating about the song is there's so many riffable things like this yeah. little like noodly thing going on in the background yeah it's so fucking good and the drums are so hard yes God. i totally agree with all that i think I mean, we'll get there, but I guess I feel like the songs that ultimately are sort of my favorite are the more sort of, I don't know, like classically structured ones uh, where the riffs are just like undeniable. But I do agree. I mean, I think this song is a good encapsulation of kind of what's to come on the record because it's just this immediate energy. The drums sound great, as you said. And I think it shows off what feels distinct to me about the band and about this record is like, the energy, the harmonies are there right away. There's interesting chord progressions and the song structures themselves are really interesting. Like you're saying, yes. they go in some surprising directions. Um, you know, there's definitely, I see the influences of Lagwagon and No Effects and Bad Religion mentioned a lot. And I think those are all pretty clear. There are some yes. songs that really seem like Bad Religion sort of structures to me. Yeah, there's a, let me, let me see if I can get to the bad religion section of this song. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't get yeah. more bad religion than like totally soaring. What like, yes, oh, like over, right. like just like to, fast drums in the background and yeah yeah, like if you're if you're talking california skate punk Mm -hmm. you're talking lag wagon no effects bad bad religion i mean they're pretty good influences to have um and i i don't know i mean i he's got a joey cape thing going on a little bit with his i don't yeah that's what i was gonna say what who do his vocals remind me of like i'm not totally sure i guess it is there is some no effects there is some bad religion but he has a very distinct sound it's like He's not always exactly in key, but that's like part of what makes it charming. <laughs> like he has a really unique sound and I think it's really cool. Um, and, you know, lyrically, like we'll get to this throughout the record, but I think they're often pretty poetic. You know, these are like yeah. stories of people's struggles, not a ton by way of explicit Christian themes. Um, we, there are some illusions, but it's like, you know, in keeping with what we were saying up top about like they always kind of struggled with this idea of being lumped in with Christian bands um, and had to kind of be convinced. But I don't know. I compared to the first records of a lot of bands that we've covered this season, where like that's when they were like sort of the most evangelical in their outlook and their lyrics. It's like this feels kind of like a breath of fresh air in terms yeah. of how they approach those things. And then just like 
st- song structure wise like you're saying i mean they're they're, they're a skate punk band I, there's nothing that like completely blows my mind in terms of virtuosity but it's consistently great there are no bad songs here their sound is really interesting and really fun and has tons of energy i just i don't know i think it's i think it's great so yeah um so i'm i'm curious so going to the, back to the lyrics of this song um i'm very curious about the context of the disney religion that he's yeah. talking about uh because i've generally uh, assumed that he's talking about a non-christian but he's mm. also talking about hand-me-down beliefs yeah. so it makes me wonder if he's talking about a particular sect of christianity yes uh, it's it's not like super clear but what i do appreciate is in the song is his admission that this person that he's talking about still challenges him hmm. and and like uh, potentially even challenges the certainty of his faith right right and that's like some one of the things i love about this record it um it doesn't contain song after song of of posturing or like absolute certainty or this facade of perfectionism it admits right. the struggle with uh some level of specificity right you know and it's not saying i'm struggling or i'm a sinner right right it says right. man this dude is challenging me right and why is this happening yeah and he's like because he's like saying like you know so why did they ring in my ear and challenge my confidence and heckles it heckles my pride hmm. um and so i'm like this is it's it's interesting you know like i i i think that like how often on a christian record are there is some of it's usually like uh it's in god's book but he don't want to look it's like right. i've got it figured out but like this guy's like there's something that like this person's doing that it 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 it, it sucks and i don't like it but there's just something that they're saying but like yeah. and then they when they're saying the things that i'm saying it sounds weird like right you know i don't know i i just i just i think it's a it's an interesting opening song it's an absolute scorching banger of a song yeah i i don't know i almost had the opposite interpretation of the lyrics oh interesting like, i assumed like if I had no context for the lyrics, I would guess that the song is a critique of Christianity by okay. a secular punk band. Um, but I agree. I'm not exactly sure what kind of faith practice or, or belief system he's criticizing here. Um, yeah, I kind of want to read some of those lyrics that you referenced. He says, you know, so now you're offering these hand-me-down beliefs. You offer neither solace nor relief in a world of hate. Your world, your words hold no weight. So now you're promising your Disney religion living in your world without sin, but I just don't relate. Your words hold no weight. I, I, I guess I thought the idea is that he's sort of criticizing a response of faith to someone experienced yeah. difficulty by using their faith to say like, everything will be okay, you know, without like really feeling like sure. the person giving them advice is fully hearing what the person is saying, or just it's sort of putting like a neat religious bow on a complex situation. I guess okay. that's sort of how I thought about it, but you're probably right. No, I no, mean, I, I like, I, I like that interpretation, you know, like, um, so because basically it, now that you're saying this, it sounds like it could be, especially when you're coupling. Uh, n- now, this might make sense because I'm, 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 you know, the, we're going to get into the the death of their friend here shortly. Mm-hmm. And so, like, when you couple those experiences, it could almost be like um, somebody trying to be like, oh, She's dead, but she's in a better place now and exactly. everything's fine. And she's 
and 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 then you get to like so share my pain and bear my wounds with me or don't pretend to call it sympathy yeah you know it's like so either you're like being with me in my sadness or just shut the fuck up right right yeah and i guess that's why i thought it was a, a person of faith saying like don't use your bullshit faith with me like use an authentic like hear me in my pain and don't just sort of dismiss it with positivity that's how i interpreted it fascinating but i agree that it is like well who are you sort of accusing of having shallow religion because evangelicals often do that about any number of sort of groups of people i don't think that's necessarily what's happening here but i don't totally know who he's sort of targeting um but or maybe he so like so why did they ring in my ear and challenge my confidence it might it makes me wonder like if he's saying is like is this how i sound yeah mm, that's to good. my to other people right like, is like does this like when i try and talk to people about my faith is this how i'm coming off right oh shit yeah. should i not talk <laughs> to people like this right there's a lot going on and i know like they aren't like 15 here like some of the bands that we've covered this season but they're not much older than that um especially considering a lot of these songs were demos that were written a few years earlier um so i don't know for a christian band to kick off their debut album with a song that wrestles in this sort of complex and direct way is like oh this is kind of this is something different um yeah so i really appreciate it even like, if we even, can't even now it exactly even yeah. now i'm still like trying to find find meaning in it like and to make sense of it and like that just goes to show like there's some there's meat here right you know uh, speaking nowhere else there's meat <laughs> yeah, you're gonna do the same thing hey oh <laughs> uh going blind bro <laughs> It's a nice ballad. I was jacking off <laughs> to a catalog and I felt so bad. <laughs> One, two, three, go! Lot to unpack here <laughs> there's lots to unpack here and this is my number two wow fascinating this is probably my least favorite song on the album really yeah oh wow that's so interesting um okay so um so first off like we have talked about uh and speculated a lot on this um this season about songs that 
were maybe alluding to some sort of guilt or shame or whatever. Right. Uh, people are like, I'm so awful. I'm so bad. But there's yeah. never any fucking specificity. Yeah. You know, and this is different than any song that we've listened to on the topic of lust or sexuality. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you know, so because they're first like there's admission, there's specificity. He's talking about he's talking about he's talking about something like a specific thing that we can we can visualize he has a magazine. He's talking about the, the woman in the magazine. Like he's painting a picture for us. Um, and so, but it would like, so it'd be normal for a band to like kind of stop there. You know, they're like, talk about like, I'm feeling bad about this and just kind of leave right. it at that. Um, and so for me, when I, I remember listening to this when I was 14 and for me, like I focus, focused on the, the sinful element of lust because mm. that was something that I had a lot of shame about. But listening to this song now, I noticed something very different. Um, he's not saying this is bad because lust is bad. Uh, he's what he's saying is he's focusing on the dehumanizing way right, he's right. thinking about the woman. Yes, he's devaluing her as a person. Yep. to justify his fantasy, he's not. He's not. He's like uh, he's trying to uh, not even allow himself to think of her as a real person right and that's the most striking part to me is that yes. he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't make a value judgment about her right he doesn't say anything about her even being in the magazine he's not slut shaming her right. or saying that it's her fault for making him sin the focus of the song seems to center around him and him dehumanizing a woman I have the same thing in my notes. I said, I actually appreciate the way that he wrestles with this, uh, like taking issue with reducing a person to a sexual object, which is a much more nuanced position than most of these Christian punk songs about lust that we've heard this season. Yeah, I totally agree. Now, it, I do think it is another song for the lust canon in these Christian punk bands, but I don't think we need to open the box on this one. Um, yeah. But it is a weird song. It's it's both goofy and serious. There are these very base lyrics like, I try to stop myself from staring at her butt. I'm drawn like Dagwood to sleep. <laughs> it's like, okay. Um, the lawn may need mowing, but still I can't prevent my thoughts from becoming obscene. Like, is this a metaphorical lawn? Are you saying like, <laughs> you need to mow your lawn? Or are you saying like, ah, I got to get out and do my chores, but I keep jacking off. I, I'm not totally clear there. <laughs> um, I think it's like, hey, the lawn needs mowing, but uh, yeah. I got to do it in a better way. Well, it's funny it's because I remember... I often would listen to this album well, when, I would, when, when I was mowing the lawn. Well, which lawn are you talking about? Hey, <laughs> um, I was not mowing any lawn when I was 14. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, and it's called Going Blind. So, I mean, like, obviously, there's sort of a silly tongue-in-cheek element to it. But then, you, you know, as you are saying, there's poetic lyrics like, her body is my claim. Like, that's, a, that's something I'm much more interested in hearing a young man struggle with is, like, that's almost getting to like sort of consent and um, what men are owed as we've talked about a bunch on this season is like, he's examining that toxic mindset. Now, do I think maybe he's overthinking looking at a pretty girl in some catalog or whatever? Yeah. I don't know that he needs to be this concerned about it, um, but I appreciate but what he's sure. talking about. Yeah. I, 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 I want like, for, first off, it's like, I think it's a, a very 
it's a banger of a song and um but i i wanted to i just wanted like to really emphasize yeah. how unique of yes. a song this is right. for the era 1998 yes, definitely and secular uh, or a christian you know yes yep. that because there's there's not there weren't a lot of punk songs that were talking about like um dehumanizing women in this sort of way like christian or non-christian like this is like i i just right. i find this song endlessly fascinating and yeah. Uh, it holds up in a way that like I didn't imagine it would, but sure. like, like looking into it more, I'm like, well done, Ted. Well yeah. done. I mean, a year after this, Blink-182 is talking about, I need a girl that I can train. And everybody's <laughs> singing along with it. And that yes. fucking sucks. Um, yep. We should say the lyrics here are by Ted. Uh, yes. The music is by Andy. The lyrics and the music uh, were by Ted to insult to injury. I don't think we mentioned that, but I don't think we did know. Um, yeah. It, helpful for our purposes in the pod and in terms of this record they actually list everybody's lyric and music credits sometimes that's interesting to see um how those sort of unfold throughout the album um one thing we haven't really talked about so far is like i think this whole record sounds pretty good what do you think production oh, no. wise? It, it sounds it sounds great yeah. uh i i th- think when you obviously go back and listen to the their demos which we're going to talk about on the yeah. patreon uh it, it really sounds like a lot of that was recorded to tape yes uh it's i think for demo purposes fine whatever yeah for album listening enjoyment mm-hmm. it's it's tough it's tough it's 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 tough uh i appreciate it for archival purposes yeah i mean the bones of the songs are still good a like lot of the bones of the songs, songs are still yeah. Yeah, especially insult to injury and, and and going blind you're like right. you, you didn't really change a whole right. lot right with the exception of glossing it up a bit getting a better uh but the the little noodly yes guitar part at the beginning of going blind he tweaked it up a bit made it a little bit more shreddy right right like, <laughs> yeah that's cool that sounds fucking rad uh right. so that's very a little bit different than demo but um yeah i think this record sounds great and we will get to uh the comparison of uh recording choices um Mm. between this album and the next record yes uh Uh, reverb shows up and is like what's up yeah what's up it's 2001 (laughs) we're doing that 2001 early 2000s rock record yeah um we're going it's like it's like, hey, remember how we were a punk band? Like, what if we did everything? Like, what, <laughs> yeah. if, what if we made every choice? Yeah. Put it all on um, the record. That's I think we're getting li- way too far ahead of ourselves, but yes, we're in the we're in the sweet spot on this record. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so John, if you're done going blind, would you like <laughs> would you like to feel a little bit sad? Yes. Okay. In memory.
um, sad in memoriam uh, yeah. song, a um, tribute, if you will, to a friend. Yeah, this is this is just outside my top three. I would say I really like this one. Yeah, um, there's a great opening riff there. I think that's like really strong to build that around. Yeah. Um, I really like the chord progression in general of the bass line that comes in right away and continues. Um, great harmonies here as there are on uh, a lot of the record um, and uh, lyrics and music by Adam on this one. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's pretty moving. I mean, sort of a reflection about this friend and they grew closer over the years and, and then lost them. Um, but you know, the lyrics I saw joy in you, I did not see in me. You were a light for all to see. Like that's, that's pretty powerful. It is. Uh, yeah. The, that that line in particular, I yeah. saw join you. I did not see me. That's um, it's a pretty profound line. Um, yeah, she was nineteen, uh, Nicole. Mm. Um, oh. I uh, I was curious. I I looked up her name and I found I found an obituary. Mm. Um, and it's all it said was that she died of a sudden illness. It didn't say. Mm. Jeez. Um, necessarily what what the what happened but that's you know i probably i had always assumed it was an accident of some kind i but yeah, yeah an illness a sudden illness is always like ugh. yep yeah yeah again kind of wrestling with a big a big yeah. concept in a way that um is not just like a by the numbers uh memorialization so yeah that and um your life was a picture of how I want to be, mm-hmm. you know, just like really uh, heartfelt and emotional sentiments that, yeah, um, it's like, man, I, I mean, that, that's, <laughs> that's the kind of person I would like to be able to be mm, like that, yeah, kind totally. of, that kind of person. That's like that someone would say that about me it just makes me want to try and be, a little bit more of a, of a better person thinks right. like shit if i if i died like <laughs> and people be like andrew was a, an emo asshole <laughs> i think that's why that line resonates with us it's like i saw joy in you i did not see in me so like like oh man yeah it's it's hard to find joy these days yep. um yep. so trying to trying to find it trying to find it trying yes. to be a better more joyful person so um but that yeah it's just a very powerful song yeah uh you know what else is a good song uh i do know what a good song is
This is my number three. It's my number one. Yeah. Um, which I kind of wrestled with. I was like, is this my favorite song? Like, there are other, like, you know, faster bangers. And I'm like, I cannot deny how much I love the sort of whole sound of this thing. Yeah. Like, every aspect of it, I think, just rules. Yeah. Do, 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 do. The baseline rules. I mean, this is really doing that sort of 50s style yes. chord progression uh, sound. You know, the harmonies, that bass line that I'm... I'm a sucker for it. it. Sounds like early Weezer, where it's like, oh sure, dun, 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 dun. it's a very Weezery riff. Um, that sort of descending minor chord um, that happens in like the second half of the second verse and in the bridge. Um, I yeah, I really like I like the the bridge. I like that earlier part that kind of has that sound in particular. But you know, I'm going to ask you to play a clip from that bridge, baby. Yeah. Um, baby. When everything drops out and there's just the vocal and guitar, and then it builds back up. <laughs> So good. The harmonies on this song are undeniable. So good. Yeah, this is great. I I just yeah, I love everything about it. As much as I love that they are like they're a skate punk band on this record, at least they don't deviate from that too much. You know, like we said, they they do have interesting song structures and things like that. But like for the most part, they're going fast and and hard and melodic. But like this. I just think they pull off the sound, which I'm always such a sucker for so well here. Um, lyrics and music by Andy here. Uh, lyrically, I mean, like, I can't totally track it. It's about a narrator who leaves someone but then wants to come back. But it's interesting because it has these, like, easy-to-follow first-person parts where it's like, I did this. And then these much more sort of poetic third-person verses where it's like, he did this, which is kind of an interesting format for a song. Um, but anyway, I mean, I always I feel like if this is like a prodigal son song, mm, mm, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, uh, that's probably what it you is. Know, burn money dashes. I'll be drunken with wine. Yeah, that's what it is. You know, <laughs> Good job. Yes. He's losing direction. His home with insight. Yeah. Um, nope. I think uh, you're totally right. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's maybe that's a, maybe that's a simplistic uh, view of it. Um, or maybe it's a it's a prodigal son combined with like yeah uh, like his relationship with God like wandering yeah. away from God and like making choices but coming back and yep um, homecoming to God I don't know yeah exactly no I think I think you're you're totally right and that makes more sense that it, you know even if, he may be saying I and then also talking about he is like the example of the prodigal son sort of um, yeah good shit man I'm fine on my own except for I'm all alone. Mm. Uh, yeah so it's like yeah that's one of those that's one of those i don't know i i struggle with that idea of like sure you know the god-shaped hole yeah i mean i i can appreciate it i can appreciate it um but you know we can i'm not (laughs) i'm not exactly the perfect example of of somebody living their best life without without god right now is because i'm you know, I think we're all on our individual struggle buses. Yeah, I was like, I mean, you know, but 
I got, I got some God and things aren't great. You know? <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. I, do you know, let me just, let me just tell you, if you're curious about where I'm at these days, mm-hmm. I was in my kitchen today making dinner and out loud by myself to myself, I said, don't cry. Don't cry. Oh, don't cry, oh, buddy. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's my life these days. Oh, yeah. here. How about this song? Nobody. <laughs> Yeah, That's this my number is, two. Oh, hell yeah. Okay. I want you to tell me um your thoughts on the lyrical content because mm. this is another one of those unpacking songs for me. Yes. I I mean, I what I wrote is not exactly sure what's happening here. I mean, they're more sort of poetic lyrics. This is another lyrics and music by Andy. The best I can get is like it's about a father-son relationship of some kind. Yeah, yeah. So I I part of me was wondering if this is like a a generational trauma sort of situation. Mm, yeah, I think so. Like there's a son who's like, uh, can somebody like I'm doing these things, can someone like love me and like also a father? Yeah. Uh who's also had his own life of like shit and like yeah, yeah. can't love his own son because he doesn't know how or something. I don't know. Yeah. No, I think you're probably right. I I sort of sensed those kinds of themes too um i don't know i i just i was trying to like make sense of it i and the only thing i could get out of it was was that kind of that kind of con- yeah. that sort of context of a uh, father yeah. son generational trauma i think you're probably right and that those themes come up a, a couple times on this record um so there is probably something there i think they are you know some of these songs that i'm thinking follow similar lyrical paths are different writers so i don't know but maybe it's something that sort of unified them or maybe these aren't you know first person stories maybe these are just examples that they're using as thematic like a story, so. like a like a dogwood situation right right it is kind of i mean like lyrically i feel like they're the most similar to dogwood maybe of other bands we've covered not in terms of like how they actually tell these stories but in terms of like they really get into sort of a lot of um people experiencing you know like jason talked about with dogwood like these were stories that didn't really get talked about like on the surface or or in church openly they're kind of these sad traumatic dealing with things behind the scenes kinds of stories um yeah but it it also doesn't leave me feeling no unbelievably sad and devastated right and and no i think because a lot lot of of those dogwood songs felt like entirely hopeless um and 
I don't know. There's just something about about this record that feels uh, the tone is just is just different. Yeah, I think a lot. I mean, it is sort of introspective, but a lot of the sort of questions or things they're mulling over are sort of presented in this. Um, I don't know. This this kind of like poetic way that that can feel resonant for anybody listening. Um, yeah. Anyway, I really, really, really like this song. Um, I like the chord progression a lot. The energy here is just like immediate. Again, the harmonies. It's just a really propulsive song where kind of each section they they turn to next is is really fun. Um, that change from the opening where it's like sustained guitar notes that kind of hold in the first half of the verse and then like go to this harder rocking second half um it's like and then like that feels kind of like no effectsy to me on this song um yeah but yeah very into the sound the drums are also just drums sound great throughout this record just yep just crushing it a hundred percent yes nobody my number two um now the the closest we might get to opening up <laughs> up the box on this record without perhaps where where this is a box of Jace. Yeah, yeah. Lonely girl. This is my number three. Okay, um, um, let me hear it. Well, I just again, this is this is one that I sort of struggled with. Like, it kind of slipped in and out, but I just feel like that's such a memorable riff. Yeah, and the, the vocal bass, melody, the bass, oh, the bass line, <laughs> just that bass and the vocal bass, melody bass, in the bass, first bass. part. And then I love when vocals start low and then go up an octave later and scream for that second verse. You know, like. They're just like they they add in the guitar punch on the second verse. Uh, it just feels like again, yeah, just like this building, the melody. I just can't resist it. It's so hooky and catchy. Um, this one is lyrics and music by Ted. I, I mean, I struggle with this one sort of. Like the the two kinds of songs that every band this season we've covered <laughs> has kind of is a lust song and an abortion song and neither one of them on this record are really those as you're saying but right like, kind this of is, this is more closely related to uh the goatee hook song right right where it's like a girl not knowing what to do right um and this this isn't like this is why it's like it's abortion adjacent but it's yeah. not they certainly never say, okay, so here's a story about a pregnant girl or maybe multiple pregnant women, depending on sort of how you interpret 
the I lyrics. Mean, this could also like part of me was like, is this like even a story of like Mary? Mary, and, yeah, like because they keep referencing sort of like the Christmas season and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, but I think you're right. Like I don't, they never they stay with this woman and sort of the fear of the situation and also touch on, you know, flashing forward to the child growing up and, and, and praising the mom and, and like loving her. And I feel like that's sort of beautiful on the one hand. Um, and I don't, and on another hand, it's emotionally manipulative. Yeah. Like I don't know the politics of the band, but it's possible that that's all sort of a, it, didn't she make the right choice by bringing the baby into the world? Right. And I don't, I don't really detect that sort of manipulation necessarily. It's more just sort of marveling at life and what can come out of unseen circumstances or uncertain circumstances. But like, maybe that in itself is sort of a, maybe you can't have a like, isn't life, aren't babies this magical thing without it being a little bit like, and that's the, always the right choice. <laughs> like that's sort of implicit in it sort of, but they never make any sort of judgment like she really made the right call or something like that <laughs> you know it was just more like I don't, I don't get a sense that as with Gardy Hook there's any judgment here it's like I don't know I do think there's a beautiful idea to the story of like here's somebody who was unsure and fearful and what came out of it is like a, a person who grew up to be like my mom did this thing and it's great and they have a loving relationship I don't know this, that's definitely a touching idea yeah i mean it's just that the the one part that to me that uh that complicates the that like isn't it mm -hmm. great yeah yeah is i mean the title of the song sure sure <laughs> it's like it's just like it's not like here's a girl who's in a relationship she's married <laughs> to a guy and they had a kid you know right. <laughs> it's just like no yeah like, i mean i isn't the world fucked up and this this girl's like having this kid but like she's gonna have him and it's gonna be a happy thing because she's having the kid right you know? there is an argument that it's like you know even in these shitty situations you should have the kid because it's gonna be a good thing can't you see this is how it works out yeah but i what the sense i get is more just like even in situations that are hard um for people it, it can turn out in a way that you look back and it's been a positive thing. And I'm, that's how I'm choosing to look at it. This was a lonely girl who ended up growing a human <laughs> and raising one that turned out to be like a kid who was like, Hey mom, like that, you know, you're, you are, you're strong, you, you're, you're strong. Right. And, and we are now not lonely because we have each other. I don't know. There's something there. Um, but yeah, it's mainly my top three because of, how it shreds uh so <laughs> uh, but yeah it's an, these, these are interesting songs you can't really pin down um you know an obvious uh preachy uh approach to any of these really so yeah um and now for arguably the most many a gram for shit <laughs> The most emo ass song on the yeah. record. Yeah. I probably say this to myself at least once a day. Who am, Who am I? I?
God, they just they just kill it with the octave chords. It rules. Ah, oh, they're <sighs> so, so good. So good. So yeah. good. That song is great. I yeah. I josh about the Enneagram Four thing, but it is such <laughs> a four thing to be like, am I just a copy of everybody else? Like that can't be. Who am I? <laughs> Who am I? What am I for? You know. <laughs> I'm trying to tell myself that I'm like no one else, but I don't know. What am I doing here? I don't fucking know. It's great. Trying to, trying to figure it out. Right. Very, oh, very introspective, yes. uh, but it still bangs. Uh, like the chorus with the harmonies a lot. And then when it gets to the kind of the bridge with the like, still searching, who, who am, am I? I? That yeah. rules. Yes. Um, yeah, I think, you know, it's like... so good and again it's like that's an interesting vocal melody not everybody would go like yeah um it's it's like a young person's song in the sense of like being a very universal question in sort of your early 20s but it's a question a lot of us are still asking who am i what am i for like that's a question you never really or a lot of us never really stop asking so i feel like you can you can always appreciate these questions um i uh yeah yeah that's I, great it, <laughs> still relevant as hell bro yep it's like even the way that he words it like what am i for like i like <laughs> that's a cool <laughs> that's yeah. a cool way to frame it um, anyway good i want to see something in me that is unique mm. uh adam hit us <laughs> up hit us up are you are you in gram four because yeah, maybe you two would vibe <laughs> probably <laughs> probably bro all right. Um, sorry. Sorry. Yeah, there. Um, this this song to me, I feel like we haven't we haven't brought up no use for a name. Mm, yeah, this this episode yet, but uh, we gotta we gotta shout out some uh, yeah. some no use for a name. Definitely the, the these sort of chord progressions and yeah. melodies are rich for the, the, just just that sort of California skate punk mm-hmm. style that they're just especially a lot of the those 
power chord, power chord octave things that they they that Craig's brother is just so fucking good at. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this one is like definitely going into different territories with different segments of the song that that, that shift from the verses into the chorus where everything drops out for a second but there's vocals and then there's a key change and then yeah. harmonies come in and the like, and the the bridge bro bridge rules let's hear it let, yeah two, 214 those yeah. kind of rapping vocals uh <laughs> rapping come on don't don't they're do just, our don't do our fast. boys don't do our boys <laughs> dirty like that they're just fast rhyming Ooh. hell yeah Ooh, yeah. That sounds so good. Another way fought and anger fed again. Another day lost and felt more innocent. Some other past time we found some way to see the others. While there's no one to forgive other mistakes, we had no time to let you in. Any other mining lose control or let some standard conditioning uh, our lives uh, take its toll. Uh. When the difference is settled and when the spike of doing it, we'll be reminded of a time when me and you used to be friends. Another way fought and anger fed again. Man, that like fast vocal part plus the gang vocals on top yeah. of it, yeah. irresistible. So <laughs> good, it's so good. Man, that song rules. That's nobody, a, nobody that, writes songs like this anymore. Man, that's a lyrics and mu- lyrics and music by Andy song as well. We should say, yeah. yeah. Um, thematically, sort of everybody looking back, writes such unique, like, um, you know the 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 songs like that that everybody's writing are. You know, it's almost like when when you could like point out a Joel song, and right, right. and go to hook, like, right. but like the the kind of stuff that that Andy versus Adam versus Ted were writing, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're just so they're so interesting. I mm-hmm. I love I love this powerhouse of a of a combination. It's sad that they yeah. never got another album with this group of people yeah. together. Um. It also makes me want to cover Too Bad Eugene since they only have two records. So anyway, we'll talk about that. And, <laughs> and Too Bad Eugene has that uh, working on that new shit. Right, right. Um, yeah, really. Is that album really, out yet? I, I don't think so. I okay. think they're still working on it. I think they're still working on it, yeah. Um, yes, anyway, really, really good combination of, of songwriters on this record. I think thematically seems to be sort of looking back on a, a relationship, perhaps a friendship with some regret. But it's another one that's kind of told poetically a little bit cryptically um but like it a lot very into it um now for the song that uh very likely got me into ah. our boys Why are you depressed when your life's at its best? Did you 
like it a lot. Yeah. Um, so here is here's a question for you, my dude. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a very uh, dense, dense song in terms of like in terms of lyrical content. Yeah. Uh, it's a I mean, just looking at the looking at the lyrics on the page, it's like this is this is a lot of words. It's because he's like he's singing very fast, right? So, from what I can tell, it's so it's called "Dear Charlotte," mm-hmm. but uh, it seems to be talking to a dude. Yeah. Um, and it seems like this he's being like, "Look, bro." We all got to grow up at some time. You're living in the past. You're like, you're not a, you're a married man. You got family, you got a family, you know, stop trying to like act like you're young, you know, single bro self. Like, right. I mean, is this kind of the vibe that you're getting from the song? Yeah. I, I mean, I took it as sort of like a, a damning look at a father who isn't present because he's too stuck looking back on his glory days, like you were saying, and sort of how he hoped things would be. I'm not sure if it's, you know, a real person or just sort of a morality tale? Is it this guy's dad? Because he talks about like, you know, the elder son being the one to kind of confront him. Is it like somebody he knows? I don't know. Um, this is a lyrics and music by Ted yeah. song. Um, certainly not, you know, another kind of that theme of maybe like father and son difficulties. Um, I'm assuming Charlotte is the the mom in this maybe. picture. Yeah. Um, but I don't know for sure. Um, musically really cool i think that melody is great i can see why you would hear it and want to get the album this is another one that feels kind of like a bad religion melody to me um i love the gang vocals that that come at the end of the chorus um yeah and then yeah they go into double time for the last verse which oh is my great. god yeah like <laughs> like when it when it's it just like oh let's get to that yeah <laughs> That's bad religion right there. You know, just that, that that slight like dropout like at the right. very end like and then God it's so fast and so tight. I I that's what she said. I guess I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's not really a great one. Stop um, going blind, bro. <laughs> we've lamented a few times, or I have, that like we listen to all these songs and we're like, boy, wouldn't that be great live? And we can't see most of these bands. Now Craig's brother, a band very much still doing stuff, perhaps touring in the future. I don't know if they're throwing Miami or. I mean, uh, Dear Charlotte on any set list these days, but boy, can you imagine seeing that that last part live? <laughs> Go absolutely nuts. Oh, it's, it's just great. Tear my arms off. Yes, please. Throw them on stage, get in the pit. Yeah. Or uh, get in the pit, then tear my arms off. Right. Tear your um, arms off. Sure. Why not? Um, great. Uh, um, that was a, did we say that was a Ted song? Yes. Okay. Um, now this is an Adam song. Indeed. Uh, not to be confused with Adam's song by <laughs> Blink-182. Correct. Uh, but this is by Annie, not Adam. 
Am I have I confused anybody yet? <laughs> feel like i need to count the number of pick slides in this song there's it's never so, enough for me there's so many pick slides in this Keep song them coming um, um when i was 14 i <laughs> thought i don't think i could imagine a more beautiful poetic song yeah than this song like I, when i was 14 i was like i'm like this was speaking my language like i was like <laughs> yes Love needs to be communicated in a way that like no one's thought of before. That's another yes. Enneagram for a thing to think, by the way. <laughs> oh, get off me. <laughs> no, but All these like, other I, fucking songs. I can't I like, do that. I need no needs one. my love needs to be different and needs, <laughs> needs to be expressed in a unique way. Yeah. It's, you know it's like uh they're swinging for the fences kind of love song when he's like, I want to make the word love new. <laughs> like I know you've heard some love songs, but get know, ready for the best fuck, one ever. Fuck those songs. Right. No, we're we're scrapping it all. <laughs> I assume this is Adam singing here too. Uh, it does, yeah. It does. It's not a. It's not Ted because there's a. a, a, a it's like a rainbow right, right. in it my mind, and then Ted comes in. Yeah, uh, doesn't yeah. doesn't work as well for me as uh, as those Ted vocals do. Uh, and I think this is you know I I hear you. This is a super big emo love song. It's not my favorite, and I think partly because it's like we've been praising the sort of complex nature of a lot of these lyrics, and this one is like not that it's not it's on poetic the in its own way, but yeah, it's just it's on the nose, and you yeah. know, it's a love song, whatever. But it's it's catchy. I like the chorus. Yeah, it's, it's fun. Yeah. Uh, also, it's like. It's like a rainbow in yeah. my mind. I think once we get to that part, I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, I feel a little bit about it the way that I do about that Tiger Jack song that was called Emily. That was like this big love song where I was like, yeah. okay. It's like a landscape catching rainbow. Mm, you're like a rainbow in my mind. Dude, you're like a snowflakes mountain face, bro. <laughs> Thank you. I've, I've always said always to John Potter. That. That's how we <laughs> started to record. Yeah, before, before we start recording, I'm always like, bro. Here's Snowglaze Mountain Face, bro. Just want to just want to let you know. Oh man, bro. I've that. I've always I've always been trying to tell you about how you're a rainbow in my mind, bro. <laughs> oh boy, you're my mind rainbow. Um, okay. Hashtag hashtag mind rainbow. <laughs> Who's the rainbow in your mind? Let us know. <laughs> yeah, that that'll be our question of the week. 
who is your mind rainbow? Hashtag magnified pod. Hashtag mind rainbow. Yep. One. Oof. Sounds good. Oh yeah. Don't go blind over there, bro. <laughs> oh shit, that sounds rad. That's great. I was assuming this was gonna be Metallica. <laughs> I cannot live. I cannot die. <laughs> Yeah, the, the guitar tone on this song is great. Ugh, that sounds great. I love that, like, <laughs> harmonic, muted. Yeah. Ugh, just such a great sound. So good. Sh- shreddy solo in there. Yeah. Um, yeah, really like this one. This is the lyrics and music by Andy. Um, yeah, just cool guitar sound throughout. Uh, cool bridge. Um, like it a lot. This is another sort of end of relationship song, it would seem. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't have a lot to say, but I like it a lot. Yeah, I don't have anything to say. Um, Shreds. Definitely not. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> the song was starting when I was making my dumb Metallica joke. <laughs> uh, definitely not a song about uh, a torso of a man no. who can't speak, who <laughs> wants people to kill him because he's uh, tapping his head in Morse code. Um, my only friend. <laughs> Anyway, uh, on that note, should we uh, wrap this album up, bro? Let's do it. Potential. The shadows that you cast are tall on the wall of possibility. Go closer to infinity with every word that goes upset. You can probably build your house of gold. You can only find a place to start. But for now, they're just a question mark hanging on your head. You could be the best forever was. You could be the best. This is a song with a killer outro. Yeah. Uh, I'm really into. Um, it's uh, good. Perhaps, it's 
we were too blind to see that all your grace would fall to entropy, which we mm. all know entropy is still promoting chaos. <laughs> That's true. As far as I'm concerned, as well as, you know, false fiction, uh, they're believing, you know, um, so heavy on MXPX, MX, very MXPX heavy, uh, <laughs> this, this episode. Um, I, I do like this song because I think it kind of the fade out. Yes. That there's a slowed down ending with the gang vocals fade out. Yeah. yeah it's great. Um, it's fun throughout. Um, It's a good album closer. Good show ender. Yeah. I like it. It's a nice, it's uplifting. Yeah. So break those chains and take the world. It's yours to claim, or are you still afraid? to take some value from those impotent dilapidated aspirations yeah i'm like who are you going after dude because somebody somebody fucked up like (laughs) somebody who he believes has a lot of potential is not is not using it so i'm i'm curious um but yeah i think i not my favorite song ever but i really i agree that that ending is not your favorite song ever (laughs) it's not my favorite song of all time (laughs) that's uh that's Elvis is dead. <laughs> <laughs> what if what if potential by Craig's brother was your favorite song of I mean, there, all time? There are worse songs that could be. <laughs> um, no, I think it's I think it's fun, but yeah, it's 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 a really cool culminating kind of closing um, moment. So yeah, that's homecoming, man. Yeah, uh, I have a feeling this is uh, as beloved uh, by folks out there as it has been by us this episode yeah has been by you for you know decades but me for a few weeks um <laughs> but i really really like it it's been really fun to to get into this and to, to get into craig's brother so let us know what you think at magnified pod on instagram facebook and twitter subscribe to the pod if you haven't already and give us a rating or review and andrew i mentioned this earlier i believe we had a review come in uh in like july that i never read on the pod i'm gonna go ahead and read it oh, if it shit. sounds familiar to you you know we could just say i forgot but i didn't remember this one so shout out to mr weatherford who said this show takes me back 20 plus years to an awesome time in my late teens slash early 20s these boys good five stars <laughs> yeah uh thank you mr weatherford uh thank you thank you if you'd like to leave a review, we will read it just like we did that one. You can email us at magnifiedpod at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 872-762-4763-8727 MagPod. You can support us at the Patreon, patreon.com slash magnifiedpod, where this week we are discussing the early years, the compilation of 10 of their 10 of Craig's Brothers' earliest recordings. So check that out with us. And you can pick up some merch at magnifiedpod.storeenvy.com. Thanks to Shadow Producer Jason at Unoriginal Vinyl, and thanks to Heavy Ordnance Studios for our artwork. Well, our time in the penalty box is over for this week. We'll be back out on the ice next week when we'll discuss Craig's Brothers Lost at Sea. Yeah. Direction. 
Face it up. Shit. Let's hit this chip. Yeah, we we got a a solid. This is solid chip. For more shows like this one, visit rockcandyrecordings.com.